Hello, my name is Benjamin, and welcome to Affical Chat. This is episode four of our four-part series on Batman, where we're taking a look at Batman movies from four different decades. Today, we're talking about Lego Batman, directed by Chris McKay and starring Will Arnett. We'll talk about how Lego Studios show us the Batman we know and love while still making him their own. We'll break down this immense list of featured villains and talk about our favorites. And finally, we'll discuss how this movie pays homage to all the previous Batman films and how it's the perfect film to conclude our series on Batman. All this and more on today's episode of Affle Chat. Okay, Joey, let's talk about Lego Batman and uh, our fourth our fourth and final Batman movie in our four-week, four-part Batman series, four Batman movies in four decades. Yep. And uh, Batman sure has come a long way in 40 years. He sure has. And uh, this movie is, like, this movie is really interesting. I think I'm so glad we did it last just because it's really about Batman and it's a really about Batman. Batman like throughout cinema you know it's very metatextual there's all about there's a lot of references to the other movies um, a lot of references to other you know DC or superhero stuff so um, yeah it's a it's quite a ride <laughs> yeah no and I think watching the three Batman movies we did where it was uh, in the three previous weeks was a perfect primer to see this movie because yeah. there's so many so, I mean, some of the references are pretty like out there, or, or, or just like obvious. But there's some there's some subtle ones that I don't think I would have gotten if I hadn't seen, uh, especially Batman 1989. Yeah. So it was I, I I loved it. I mean, first off, as a kid who grew, I feel like whenever we watch movies uh, <laughs> from like that are old or reference older things, I. I always end up talking about the toys I played with when I was a kid. And I'm starting to realize I played with a lot of toys. But Legos were definitely one of the toys that I... I oh, man. They're towards the top of the list of like things I loved. And that includes also the Lego video games. And I've always been a fan of Lego's interpretations of culture. They take... You know, there's always Lego sets for movies and, you know, things that aren't Lego movies, but, like... You know, they, they, they find Star ways Wars to and stuff, yeah. Star Wars, Harry Potter, just even normal stuff. Like I remember there was Lego City, which was basically just Lego sets of things that are in metropolitan areas. And right. uh, they just do such a cool job of taking their individual plastic bricks that don't look like anything by themselves <laughs> and making them into this uh, very immersive world. And uh, I, I actually had this is my first Lego movie I've seen. Oh, I, really? I haven't seen the Lego movie. So I, I was really interested to see what that was like and at first it was really i wouldn't say distracting but it was a really i was like whoa look at the legos and uh like there's you know and when they're in the airplane they're flying this airplane it's all made of legos and there's real water on the windshield it's yeah. just it was so cool to see that and i'm trying to figure out is it is it stop motion is it animation what's going on here but they do such a good job of it you quickly forget that this is legos and you just see a movie yeah Definitely, and and there is like a lot of like little Lego humor and stuff, like yes. they put together, and it all comes back together in the end, which is uh, so perfect. But no, like the Lego Movie, um, is like it's way up there. It was one of my favorite movies. It, it's so 
I like it so much, it's really hard for me to talk about because I just feel, it makes me feel vulnerable about how much I like it. Like, it's, <laughs> it is so good. It is incredible. I've never, I have never seen a movie like it. And it does such a good job on so many levels. And it, like, yeah, we could, we could talk about the Lego movie for, I could talk about it for hours. Right, that's a and different I, podcast. Yeah, but, yeah. But, uh... um, but this this is like a spin-off the lego batman movie is like a spin-off slash sequel to the lego movie it has will arnett as batman he is also batman in the lego movie so there's a connection there ah um it's also produced by chris miller and phil lord who directed the first lego movie who are two of my favorite directors um they take all sorts of uh weird subject material and and, and make it into amazing stuff they're the guys behind 21 22 jump street they did cloudy with the chance of meatballs um and, and lots of other stuff too so they were uh, they had 20, a wait, they did 21 22 jump street yep ah okay so i'm, I'm starting to see because they, they also i noticed channing tatum and uh yep, jonah hill are definitely yep, in this movie yep <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're also in the lego movie too it's the same characters um yeah this they had their hand in this although it wasn't them who directed it, it was actually a guy named chris mckay he um he's done some other animation stuff he actually uh worked on robot chicken for a long time ah so um yeah right, I, and uh seth green was in this movie too that's right who was he again uh one of the one of the villains villains yeah imd imdb.com will tell you yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so uh, uh, this is the first time you've seen any lego movie this is the first time you've seen this movie what did you think what was your overall impression oh i, I was blown away it was it was so it was so much fun uh, I think the dialogue, I did not expect it to be this witty. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much, so many times that I just, I laughed out loud. And, and like, I, I wouldn't say that I'm some sort of, like, uh, comedy savant where, like, my opinion really matters when I decide something's funny or it's not. But when I'm sitting alone in my apartment and I, like, am howling, I think that means something. It, it, like, there's there's so many good, I don't know, just... Yeah. Uh, like I, because obviously, when I'm whenever I'm preparing for the podcast, I'm taking notes, and I try to write down. I'm like, oh, that's clever. Oh, I'm yeah. Right that. I have. I have to mention that. And then 20 <laughs> minutes into this movie, I'm like, forget it. I can't write down everything that's said in this movie. Like, <laughs> like if you want to know the funniest lines, well, we're gonna mention some of them, but like, you just have to watch the movie because it's, yeah. it's just it's just a joke a minute, and uh, it's great. And they're able to continue. Like there, there's so many ways to 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 make Batman funny, just making fun of the ridiculousness of it, or to make poke fun at the other movies, which they certainly do. Yeah, uh, it's just there's it, it's just so much fun. Plus the physical comedy of having Legos be the thing that's doing all the action, uh, especially when you've played with Legos as a kid and you see them, you're like, oh, I remember that one. Like when they have the. Uh, like they have that uh, at Arkham Asylum when they're fighting the guards and you just see it through the X-ray machine. Yeah, uh, and you see their skeleton. Bodies. Yes, and I was like, I remember those skeleton bodies because they're, they're built different than yeah. uh, than a normal Lego man. So stuff like that. Uh, just and, and also, just yeah, there's just so much in here that uh, it, it's definitely worth more than one watch. Uh, oh yeah, but I I I, I want to start breaking it down. So I okay. I, th- I think we should. Just yeah, well, I have one this, question uh, for you, and that's, uh, are you ready to follow Batman and maybe learn some life lessons along the way? Great line <laughs> and very applicable. Very applicable. <laughs> All right, we'll start with the synopsis. Here we go. <clears throat> After stopping the Joker and a whole slew of other villains again, 
Batman returns to his huge empty mansion on his huge empty island. There he enjoys microwaved lobster thermidor and romantic comedies alone, while avoiding any advice from his loyal butler, Alfred. Batman, as Bruce Wayne, reluctantly attends Jim Gordon's retirement party, where the new commissioner, Barbara Gordon, is introduced. She outlines a plan to give the police more agency in Gotham, and to actively work with Batman instead of relying solely on him. Batman finds this ridiculous, but before he can respond, the Joker crashes the party with his villain friends. Then Batman's greatest villain does the truly unthinkable. He turns himself in. Batman and Barbara are suspicious of Joker's motives, and they clash over what to do next. Batman wants to escalate things to the next level by locking the Joker in the Phantom Zone, an alternate dimension that houses the world's worst bad guys. With the help of his accidentally adopted son, Dick Grayson, Batman steals the Phantom Zone projector from Superman's Fortress of Solitude and uses it on Joker, banishing him to the Phantom Zone. There, the Joker meets some of cinema's greatest bad guys, including the Wicked Witch of the West, Voldemort, King Kong, and Sauron. Joker convinces them that he can help them escape if they help him humiliate Batman. With the fragile city, with the fragile city of Gotham facing an unprecedented existential threat, Batman and his new crime-fighting family prove to be a formidable force against history's greatest villains. But Batman opts to go in it alone to face the Joker. However, Batman's greatest villain is ready for him again and sends him to the Phantom Zone. There, Batman must face the truth. The only way to save his city is to break his one rule. I always work alone. Barbara Gordon, his son Dick, and his trusty Alfred team up to re-banish all the villains Joker set free. However, they are too late. Gotham is falling to pieces. So all the little Gotham knights from Lego, including the Joker and all the classic Batman villains, stack on top of each other and use the power of abs to crunch the city back together. Batman, despite resisting the whole way, finally admits he needs other people and that he can't save Gotham all on his own. The end. It, uh, something I kind of noticed with this, uh, like just straight from the beginning, is uh, how not serious the movie was, or at least it started that way. Yeah. Um. And and they, and like we said before, they never miss an opportunity to uh, make a joke, uh, which I think is one of the best aspects of this movie, which makes it like suitable for kids and for adults, uh, which I, I kind of expected from this movie because I had heard some critical acclaim. I definitely heard a critical acclaim from the Lego movie. Mm. Um. But I think it's a an example of how to do like silliness with Batman correctly. Yeah. I think this is, like, this movie is almost a response to a lot of things. And one of those is like Batman and Robin, you, you know, Batman and Robin was all tongue in cheek. There was a lot of meta references. There was a lot of things that were like, there is kind of, you know, uh, making fun of Batman, poking fun at it. But this is almost more like a love letter in a way. I think there's, there's all this silliness and all this stuff, but it's almost like it's saying, um, you know, this is a good thing. Like we should embrace this. You know, it's not, it's not saying this is stupid. Like you shouldn't, you shouldn't care about this. It's saying like you should care about this, and here's like something we can do with it to, to you know, elevate it to a, a whole other level. Um, and I really do think that's what like, I think that's what sets this movie apart. Like, it's kind of funny how we we chose our movies, right? Because we we did Batman '89, which is pretty serious, and then we did Batman and Robin, which is really like silly and crazy. And then we did Bat- Batman Begins, which is even more serious. And then we did, you know, Lego Batman, which is even more silly. But it's it's done in such a a, a way that's 
um, respectful and and interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so- go ahead. Well, well, like Lego Batman rule, it makes it does make fun of Batman in a lot of ways, but it rewards you for being a Batman fan. Like it, it's it's going to be that much more enjoyable, that that much funnier. Uh, you're going to be included in that that uh, like more jokes because of your knowledge of Batman, as opposed to the conclusion that I kind of drew from Batman and Robin, which was like. Hey, you like Batman? Well, here's why you're stupid for like <laughs> being like thinking that this is cool. Yeah, exactly. And and it gives you like all this, all these things to like to latch onto. You know, it it it's not easy on Batman. It's it says it takes like instead of making excuses, instead of you know worming your way through and saying, hey, you know, uh, like this is why Batman makes sense. Kind of like how Batman Begins does, where it, it gives you all these reasons why like Batman should exist. This one says, Batman exists, but should he? And here are the, here's the tough questions he hasn't faced yet. It, you know, it doesn't shy away from, like, these tough issues, but they're, they're not so tough that, like, kids can't understand them. And it's done in a way that makes it accessible to everyone. No, agreed. And, uh, I mean, Legos <laughs> are definitely an accessible uh, medium for that. Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think that's a huge part of it. But um, but let let's talk about some of the silliness in this yeah. movie. So I think there's there's a couple of things that are like specifically responses to Batman and Robin. At least it seems that way. Uh, like one of the things is um, Barbara Gordon goes to Harvard for police, which is like a made up school, obviously, right? There's no such thing as Harvard for, for police, right? Which just like Oxbridge is a made up school, but it's I don't know. It, it's done in a way that's like <laughs> it's not making fun of like. You know, it's not saying, oh, she went to some school that you've never heard of. You know, she went to some Ivy League school. We'll just name something random. It's like Harvard for police. She went to the best place possible for police. It's, it's like instead of making fun of Oxford or you know, Cambridge, it's, you know, paying respect to Harvard in a way. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's almost the opposite thing, but, but the same joke. Yeah, they say like she's bringing her like crime fighting or like she's like she's bringing her policies and her nunchucks <laughs> to, to Gotham, which I thought was great. Oh, yeah. And then she, uh, she's later in the movie, um, she, uh, Batman tries to call her Batgirl, and she says, "Is it okay if I call you Batboy?" Which is like so much, so much better version of that. That's a very PC joke from Batman and Robin. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I think, yeah, and that's such a, it's way more succinct, and yeah. uh, and and yeah, just a, a better way to put that joke. Uh, because wh- why is she, why isn't she Batwoman? Is it, is Batgirl the always? Like throughout Batman, is that I don't know. always just, what she's called? That's just the. I mean, this is gonna sound dumb, but that's that's just the way it is. Like, <laughs> right? Well, I guess because it's like we already have Catwoman. You know, you're, that's like only one letter removed from Batwoman. But but okay, I mean that's close, but yeah. No, I, mean, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to yeah. Maybe there is no reason really. It's just uh, it's just you know inherent sexism throughout the ages. So I don't know. But I guess so. That's just that's that's what the female version has been called i guess she's i guess she's always been younger too you know she's always been closer to robin right but bat boy sounds dumb i don't know (laughs) (laughs) bat boy definitely i mean bat boy could be a better name for robin Uh, yeah so yeah definitely batman and bat boy (laughs) batman and bat boy (laughs) love it yeah but another thing is like uh which is a huge like like plot point in this story is that the police are a total joke you know just like in um Batman and Robin, what you said, they're uh, 
what's it less Le- than useless less than useless yeah yeah the the same thing the the police in this movie are less than useless their, their guns do nothing they're always in the way they're always like doing stuff the only thing they're useful for is telling batman that something's going on um but that's like that's like a, a driving force in this story is about how like the police are regulated to useless because um they're also reliant on batman so yeah i think that's pretty interesting yeah no i i, I agree because i mean that's the whole point of um Barbara showing up, she's going to change the policy to kind of go for the root of the crime as opposed yeah. to, uh, you know, what they currently have, which is just Batman dealing with the crime. The crime is constant uh, yes. in this current situation. Uh, like an- uh, another thing was kind of looking at the people of Gotham as kind of just a monolith. Um, they have like a <laughs> like united opinion on just about anything, uh, especially oh Batman at the beginning of the movie, which uh, I mean, this movie's full of Easter eggs, but they had. So many, there's like some funny signs when Batman comes out and the whole city is cheering for him. Like the <laughs> Batman is number one sign. Another sign said, I've got Batmania. <laughs> another one that had a picture of Batman with his arms crossed and it said, hard on crime, easy on the eye. Uh, you drive me batty was another one. Another one just had a, a sign that said pal on it, which that's great. Uh, yeah. Great reference to the 60s Batman. Yeah, that, that kind of comes back later too because they're like, what does he say? He's like, we're going to punch the guy so hard that <laughs> words describing our actions are going to spontaneously <laughs> appear well, in the air. <laughs> which is, they do it so well, too, because it's not only, like, the violent ones where it's, like, pow, bam, like, all those yeah. ones, but also high five, because <laughs> Batman did have those ones where it's, like, not, you know, it's just it's just literally what's happening, but it's yeah. written in that style. I don't know it's perfect. Yeah, it's great. And then uh, good use of, well... I, I, puns isn't exactly the right way to put it here, but it's like good use of wordplay in this. Yeah. Uh, that that was pretty funny too, because while uh, Batman and Robin just uh, seriously overdoes it, you can still do cheesy lines and have them land perfectly and and, yeah. and make them make them something that people actually enjoy and laugh at. Uh, like when the Joker is first introduced, he says, "Like I'm your new co-pilot, and I always come to work." with a smile and that's i mean that's a good joker line um and then when batman comes like when he gets ejected out of the phantom zone he's like look who's bat (laughs) (laughs) and uh oh oh, and we were and they were looking through the uh the batman all the various bat suits uh that had the titles above them they don't even mention it really but when alfred is in there he comes out and he's kick butler uh, which I thought was I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah, and, that was so funny. <laughs> and another great Joker line, which again I think it's important that your villains can land the good puns. Right. Uh, when during the uh, or it's actually at the end of the Batman uh, "Let's Get Nuts" song, the Joker hits him with his car, and he goes, "Hi, Batman. So weird to keep running into you." Which <laughs> it, it's it's spot on. So I I don't know I yeah. I like. Maybe not a direct answer, but definitely if you compare it to Batman and Robin, uh, Batman and Robin could learn a thing or two about dialogue uh, when you're trying to be funny using wordplay. Oh, there's so much. And I mean, there's so much like visual humor, but there's also like so much just, um, you know, in the dialogue, too. And and, and, like I don't know. That never really leaves. You know, I think we can talk about this later, but I think the tone in this movie is a little muddled. But I think the dialogue never never like leaves that elevated status you know it's it's always going to have that that double entendre it's always going to be like a a deeper meaning behind it and i think that's 
Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, one of my favorite things was at the beginning when the pilots are being like, it's not, it's not necessarily (laughs) breaking the fourth wall, right? But they're like, it's so not real, you know? We're, We're like, they're talking about how they're best friends. And then they're asking the flight, uh, flight, or what is it called? Uh, air tower control. If they're clear to fly over the most crime-ridden city in the world, and then the guy's like, "I'm just looking at everyone else's faces," and like, <laughs> like air, air traffic control is just like a judgment call. That's it. Just like look at everyone else's faces, and well, then, yeah, you're good. And then one of the guys, yeah, one of the guys is like, "As long as we're best friends." <laughs> so perfect. Uh, yeah, I love. That yeah, too. what do they say? They say, um. Uh, we're MacGuffin Airlines, and we're transmitting uh, dynamite, C4, a bunch of those little bombs. Yeah, like uh, of those bomb-looking bombs. <laughs> that's... And two best friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's great too. It's um, just like I don't know, like the, the I don't know puns for the most part are always like there's no butt to the to the joke. You know, the butt of the of a, any pun is the English language. It's not like directed at anyone. Uh-huh. You know, so like this whole movie is kind of like has this humor of just like good natured fun. Um, and that's like the perfect example of that, you know, where they're just like, Oh, we're transporting all this dangerous equipment, but it's all like really silly. And of course we're two best friends. And that's just the joke. It's just like the unexpected twist at the end. It's, um, I don't know. It, it's like this, such a wholesome look at Batman that, um, you, you kind of just can't expect. And that's what just, uh, the juxtaposition of that is just hilarious, but also so appropriate. Yeah, no, g- good-natured fun, I think, is a great way to describe this movie. Uh, it, it's, it, it is very wholesome. And even when there's violence, it's, like, so silly that, oh my gosh. that you don't even consider it <laughs> they, really like, they, like, purposely pull back the violence, like, in multiple, like, parts. It's so funny. They're, like, the SWAT team comes in, and they're, like, set our guns to stun. Non-lethal. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, uh, <laughs> right. And, and you, you know, although, like, speaking of being not too violent, Remember the like part where the guy's leaving work? He's like, "Man, I really like that guy. I hope nothing bad happens to him." And then he's like, "Nothing bad ever happens to me." That guy's arm gets ripped off by the Riddler, it, it, like needlessly. I don't yeah. know why. Like they're well, introducing a, all the bad guys because he's just a Lego guy, so you know he'll be fine. You put him back together. Sure, that's true, but also. Why though? Is that the Riddler's thing? I guess we, we haven't we haven't come across the Riddler in these really. uh, four or the first three movies. So um, I just thought that was interesting. But anyways, we we could go on and on about things that made us giggle uh, in this movie. But uh, just like any Lego production that I've that I've been familiar with, and I'm sure the Lego movie is like this as well. Uh, there's way too many Easter eggs to possibly catch them all in one viewing. Yeah, definitely. And right? there's just there's just so much like in the background. There's so much happening like even just in front of you all these little like references to things um and it's all quick too you know it really rewards like that that kind of um you know attention to detail oh yeah and it, a lot of them are actually written word or you know wordplay like the uh on my second viewing i noticed that the uh phantom's own laundry service it says <laughs> operated by like Quinn something. I, oh, like, really? Yeah, like it, it basically says Harley Quinn on the side of the on the side of the truck, but you'd never notice it because it just happened so quickly. And there's like a whole plot line that you're you're interested in happening in yeah. front of you as well as you got to pay attention to. So, um, another thing I thought was pretty silly and hilarious, which I I wish that they had included uh, this this person I'm about to mention, but the the scientist Doctor Quivers, 
who uh, <laughs> predicts what will happen to Gotham if the bomb explodes at the nuclear reactor. Yeah. He, he's like, they're going to all like the entirety of Gotham will fall into the eternal pit. And, uh, <laughs> and then when it, the, the Gotham does split in half and it's like, they're about to fall. He's like, as I predicted, we're doomed. <laughs> and I, I, I just felt like the, the way that they have that Lego guy set up, you know, his features. He just, yeah. I, I feel like that is a reference to Neil deGrasse Tyson, which Definitely. I thought was hilarious. Cause he always thinks he's the smartest. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. He's just like, I was right. But by the way, we're all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, another just, like, hilarious little moment that's, like, it's, like, so quick, too, is um, after they catch all the villains, or all the villains turn themselves in, uh, there's a no more crime riot where everybody <laughs> is in the streets lighting stuff on fire and overturning cars and shouting, no more crime, no more crime. <laughs> it's an interesting scene, too, because ba- Batman is all sad yeah. in the foreground. Everything's blue. Um <sighs> Super, uh, yeah, the, very memorable. And the, the mayor is taking part in it as well. Like, they're yes. shooting guns into the air. They're shooting the guns in the air. <laughs> <laughs> no war crime. Amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, I, I, like, this movie really does focus on the character of Batman. And, I mean, he is the main character, and he is the, you know, the principal mover and everything. You know, um, so let's talk about him. Let's talk about all the stuff that he does. First yes. of all, he's he's a uh, voice by Will Arnett, who I'm a huge fan of because I love um, Arrested Development and BoJack Horseman and BoJack Horseman. I love BoJack Horseman. He, yeah, Will Arnett's awesome. He's a great voice actor, and he does a great job as Batman in this. And he is like, like he is mostly Batman in this movie. There's like one or two scenes where Bruce Wayne shows up briefly. Right, but like, Bruce Wayne has the same exact voice as Batman and uh, <laughs> acts the same. Yeah, like it, they, they're kind of um, they're kind of on the nose about how it's so obvious that he's bruce wayne yeah um like <laughs> like i like and batman who i wish was here oh i'm sure he's listening like <laughs> he's he's so clearly batman yeah he's just like whispering to himself like <laughs> yeah and in his song and the uh like i love that song we'll talk about it more okay later, yeah, yeah. but he's he's like i'm 100 percent not bruce wayne <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> like why would you say that like <laughs> ah, so oh, that's funny. so funny yeah, it's really good. Um, so, okay, some of the classic Batman things. We got the Batmobile, but also, like, literally any other vehicle plus Bat. Yes. Got, um, bat subs, Bat kayak, right? That was um, my favorite one, the Bat kayak. I've, I've recently been really into kayaking, <laughs> and I'm glad that Batman was at one point as well. You got to get one of those. You got to buy a Bat kayak with your Bat credit card. That's right. <laughs> it's coming in the mail. Uh, they also had, like, the Bat spaceship and uh, yeah. basically anything you can imagine. But what was interesting was the scuttler in this one uh, oh, yeah. was, so, it was very uh, Lego specific. And, and I think that that's like kind of a, a thing I've noticed. Each Batman has to have their own Batmobile. And of course, this one, the, the speed wagon was the Batmobile in this Batman. Right. Uh, but the scuttler was kind of like their, like only Lego Batman could possibly have this one because he builds it out of the environment, uh, which obviously is a, a Lego specific uh, ability. Yeah, and I, I don't know. They didn't really go into that as much in this one, but that, that's like a big thing in the Lego movie is like building stuff out of your environment. Um, so yeah, that that was cool seeing him do that. And like you know, what was he? What does he say? Like uh, evaluating like um, how much damage he's gonna do or something. Oh yeah, he, he's like 
But of course, he's like destroying everything in the process. He like, that, totally that, dismantles the building. That's exactly how he builds it. Is he <laughs> did, like does needless damage to private property so that he can build his scuttler? He does it multiple times. But that thing is really cool because it like it can fly and it can like walk around like it's on all fours and it also is like a vehicle of some other point too. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. There's also okay Wayne Manor. This time located on Wayne Island, <laughs> um, which is like uh, almost on the nose, like. Uh, th- like on with this theme of um, loneliness or like working alone that this movie is focused on, um, and of course Alfred kind of spells this out. But I thought this was interesting. I looked up that poem uh, "No Man Is an Island" by John Donne, um, and that was, and it's not exactly relevant to to the theme in this movie, but it's it is kind of there's, it's basically about how mankind is only made up of individuals, and when you when you lose some one part of that, it's like part of your coastline has eroded away you lose one we all lose and there's something he says at the very end of the poem it says and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls it tolls for thee and referencing that when you know when the bell tolls for not announcing someone's death uh, we all die a little bit when that happens it's wow. pretty interesting um yeah the, so i don't think that's exactly what this movie is talking about but it is a little bit tangential just because it's about how like Batman working alone doesn't really actually benefit Gotham. Um, it's only perpetuating this cycle of crime that's existed for like almost a century. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> um, uh, the Barbara says like we need to work together, right? We, I want to. She doesn't say I want to. You know, I want to stop Batman. I want to catch Batman. No vigilantes or anything. She says I want to work with Batman. I want us to find a way to, you know, collaborate to make things better. Um, instead of just relying on him or him having to, you know, say, do all the work for us, you know? Right. And so she, she wants it to be like lawful and responsible and uh, with uh, accountability, a, accountability. Yeah. And and I think what, what's funny is when, when I was seeing that, I was like, oh, these are all criticisms we've made so far <laughs> of <laughs> Batman in general, just talking about him in, in all these movies. Yeah. Which is why I think this is so cool that it addresses it. You know, this, this movie doesn't just it really hammers home the meta-ness of it. You know, it's not just like self-referential. It really says like, okay, let's look at Batman on a bigger level. Yep. And um, it does it perfectly. So yeah, we also got uh, the Batcave too. Yeah, and, and I I love looking at all the different iterations of the Batcave. This one was more, uh, you know, it's closer to the Batman and Robin Batcave uh, uh, compared to maybe the um, Batman Begins Batcave. Because it was all is very flashy, very much a show for anyone who's there, uh, which is always interesting, right? Because if, if Batman is going to be the only one going in there, why make it look so cool? Uh, yeah. But this one, I mean, it, the cave itself is literally the shape of the bat symbol. Um, like they had, the, he had this walkway that builds and takes apart itself as you walk across, or, or as you glide across it, because it's like yeah. a conveyor belt. Uh, and there's like a museum for all his various. Uh, so you know, it, it was very flashy, uh, which was which was cool. And, yeah, um, it was cool, and then he has like like the carousel of like vehicles and stuff that rotates around. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, this movie doesn't do anything with space. Like, it doesn't doesn't pay any respect to like how space works. Right. But like, that's kind of the point. Is it's just kind of an, an imagination uh, world that we're living in. So. Yes, and there's actual bats in there too. Which, if you're if you're like me and played with Legos as a kid, you remember the little Lego oh, yeah. bats. I like and, those. Uh, and y- if you look closely, they are, I mean, obviously they're Lego bats in the Lego movie, but they, they're true to that detail, even if it's 
just a 0.001% of anything that's on screen in this <laughs> yeah. entire movie. like that a lot. But we also got uh, Gotham City, of course, another classic Batman thing, which is, uh, they say, the most crime-ridden city in the world. I, I don't know. Before watching these movies, I never, like, I knew Gotham was, like, a bad place to live, I guess, but I never thought of it as, like, the worst city to live in, you know? <laughs> yeah. But now, like, now every single movie says this, though. Every, like, all four of them have said, like, you know, or at least three of them have said, like, you know, Gotham is overrun with crime. Like, it's a real problem. Like, we, there's nothing we can do. We're helpless. You know what I mean? Sure. And... and... To, to tell you the truth, from this one, I get it as a, uh, like, a, they get that reputation based on the criminals that they have. Not yeah. necessarily that the people of Gotham are out there shanking each other in the streets. <laughs> it's that this is the place where all of the villains come to do their evil plot. Uh, and, and they don't, they don't m- mention it at all in this one, but it could be as a direct re- like, uh, result of Batman, right? Because yeah. all these guys come here, especially, I mean, Definitely Joker, and maybe some of the other ones should come here because they're trying to defeat Batman. Yeah, and I, don't, I think it is kind of implied, right? Because they talk about how um, Batman does the same thing over and over, or how like he's been doing the same thing for such a long time, and they still have the same problems, right? So it's, it's almost implied that Batman, is, like, it's the fault of Batman that things are the way they are. Sure, and, and also, th- I liked this iteration of uh, Gotham City, only because I know how ba- how poorly it can be portrayed, and, and I mean Gotham City was just a major metropolis. There were yeah. roads, there were buildings. Uh, the Gotham Gazette was in there, and uh, that was it. It wasn't built on gigantic <laughs> godlike statues. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I I liked. I mean, it just looked like a Lego city. Yeah. Just yeah. Exactly. I mean, it just looked like any other city, and I think that's kind of. And I've heard that before. Is like Gotham is just supposed to be you know, any, any town USA, right? But um, from, from the context of these movies, it's not. It's the worst city to live in. Sure. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't say any town. I would say, like, maybe just a American major city. Yeah, yeah. Because it, it always is, like, a, a place with, like, skyscrapers, at least. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so another great classic Batman thing. Grappling hooks yes. used extensively in this movie for literally anything you can think of. <laughs> and uh, and because this because Lego Batman focuses so hard on um getting Batman right and, and almost to the point where they're making fun of it, I think that they recognize how much he loves grappling hooks and how effective they are. Even if I there's not any like super direct jokes about it, but if you uh like when Batman and Robin are gearing up to go to Arkham Asylum, to steal the, or not to steal, but to send Joker to the Phantom Zone. The first gear, the first thing that Batman grabs when you see him like putting things in, like in nothing really, they disappear yeah. behind his back. But the first, <laughs> the very first thing he grabs is his grappling hook. Uh, before he grabs like swords and all these other ridiculous things, but uh, it is his grappling hook, and and that's that was the first piece of gear that he looked at when uh, in in the in. Batman Begins, and uh, it, it, I mean, we, it started off as a joke, but I truly believe that grappling hooks fall under Batman's superpowers. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. 100%. And I, I can't unsee it now, you know? <laughs> it was something <laughs> that I always just took for granted, and you really brought that to light, so thank you yes. for ruining me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another thing that Batman has in this one is 
the blue vision and um and and, and I, I get I guess which Batman do you think they're they're emulating in this uh this like for, what he looks like? For me it was like it was the Batman v Superman suit, you yeah. know, the, like the the metal one that he fights Superman in. Yes. Um because he has the glowing eyes that are blue. But you brought up the 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 vision like the sonic vision yes the sonic the, vision from the dark knight, from the dark knight. And, and it's i don't know if it's a, a direct reference because it looks a little bit different uh and it does slightly different things but when uh batman is dodging bullets from the joker uh when the joker's saying i'll eventually take over the city and batman's like when when does that ever happen um <laughs> and he asks the computer like when will the joker take over gotham and it's like never uh <laughs> but when he's doing that it, it shows you his view and it takes him like you know the, the moving camera brings him to like where the Joker is, so that he can he mm. can find it. It's a very short segment, but I noticed I was like, it's the same color. It's pretty similar to what happens in the Dark Knight. Uh, it but, probably is then. But I agree with you that from the outside, not from Batman's perspective, but from everyone else's perspective, it's the Batman from the new DC uh, cinematic universe, yeah. uh, pen, played by Ben Affleck. Especially the scene where Batman is got two grappling hooks he's attached one to the bomb and one to the joker and he's talking to the joker very and there's dialogue there right so there's a lot of close-ups on batman and the joker that one it's spot on it looks i mean the lighting is even very similar to uh batman versus superman kind of lighting on the on the mask so uh which (laughs) what's funny is i think this batman looks cooler than that batman (laughs) i always thought that the batman versus superman batman looks like he's too much of a beefcake like he's just so chunky yeah that's like that's like a whole thing actually <laughs> um because it's whew, the the batman from batman v superman is based off of um this like comic book series um i think it was i'm gonna say this wrong i think it's like frank wright or something he did like the dark knight returns or something like that um basically it was this iterative process of making batman into a monster and that's like the uh the suit he ends up with and um this this like to show that in the batman v superman actually was like a misstep i've heard from Zack snyder like that was a that was a mistake because he wasn't he wasn't using the source material correctly if that makes any sense okay like he, yeah he was he was just choosing that suit because it looked cool he didn't he didn't use any of the context that went up into that suit and anyone who had read the story and seen the suit from you know the comic book perspective would know that like he's doing it wrong basically um which is you know i guess all subjective and everything but i agree like i i don't know how i feel about the 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 metal suit and and all that you know that it was cool watching it in the in the movies but i don't know if it really um does it uh batman justice i guess sure but it but it looks cool in this one um especially because batman is all about being so bulky and buff uh he's literally too like he's too shredded too swole, too swole yeah to get through that hole uh but anyways uh another ba- classic batman thing the reason i say it's classic is not because it's in every batman but because it's from the 60s uh was the shark repellent which was a hilarious gag because they bring it up to say how useless it is but it's actually used to repel jaws at the end yeah uh, which is pretty funny and also smoke bombs this batman definitely uses his smoke bombs a lot oh yeah as much as he can it's good stuff so some other uh some other batman things but these are not as classic um these are just for this batman he is uh literally ageless i guess there's several mentions 
I think there's three, but I can only really remember two. Um, of, of how old he is. He spent. Joker mentions he spent 78 years fighting him. He's been uh, uh, Gotham's most eligible bachelor for uh, quote like 90 years. Um, I think there's some other thing too where they mention like he's been in Gotham for like 86 years or something like that. Like they talk about how uh, Batman's really actually been around forever, and this is like a um, you know this latest version of him is the same as it's always been. We're not starting over. This is the the same Batman from all the other movies. You know, he's just, you know, the same as he's always been, kind of. It's it's interesting how they, like, try and incorporate all the movies into one, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I got this as just more kind of breaking the fourth wall, being meta, just being like, remember how old Batman is? Yeah, I don't know, but it's interesting because, like, it kind of plays into this theme of him doing the same thing over and over again, right? Like, He's been doing it for he's been at it for so long and nothing's changed. He's been fighting mm-hmm. Joker for seventy eight years and Joker's still here, still around. So, you know, what what are you doing? Like, are you doing any good from that? And that that um, you know, in in other movies that, that like fighting the Joker is resolved, right? In the nineteen eighty nine one, Joker dies, but yeah, in uh, to to kind of play with that idea of having like uh, characters that kind of exist forever and then using that to um, you propel your story forward. I think is really powerful. Yeah, I think it works well. Um, there's also the there's a point where Batman gets sent to the Phantom Zone and he's talked to by uh, Phyllis, the sentient brick. <laughs> she says, "You're not a traditional bad guy, but you're not exactly a good guy either," which is also interesting. You know, he, I mean, Batman kind of has this hard moral line, um, but they show him doing all these cruel things in this movie. Um, you know, cruel to his family, cruel to the people like that are close to him. Um, and she brings up a good point. Like he's not exactly a good guy either. You know, he kind of takes everything into his own hands. He doesn't trust anyone. He doesn't um, let anybody in. You know, I don't know. Do you think that's do you think that's a uh, fair criticism? Definitely in the context of this movie. Um, first off, Ellie Kemper plays the brick, Phyllis. Uh, Ellie Kemper is. Aaron from The Office uh, or uh, Kimmy from uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, she's so good. Like, I, I love her and everything she does. And she's great as Phyllis in this movie. Um, but I think, I don't know. I don't know if that criticism can uh, work for every Batman, but yeah. it, it certainly works well for this one, uh, especially because uh, of kind of the things we've pointed out, right? Where Batman uh, is, is, is so self self indulgent in his crime fighting where he values that over maybe actually doing what's best for Gotham City uh yeah e- even if he's able to convince himself that what he's doing is saving Gotham City it's not necessarily and, and you know and the people of Gotham thank him all the time uh he, he yeah. that, that's what he's really it feels like that's what he's really out for which doesn't make him exactly a good guy uh it makes him just somebody who's looking for praise yeah, and I do want to get into that a little bit later. Right. Let's continue on with some more classic, not so classic Batman things. <laughs> right. Yeah. So specific to this Batman is uh, like he loves watching like romantic movies and laughing at them. Uh, <laughs> he loves eating lobster thermidor, which is such a specific thing. To I never to even heard of that before. Yeah, I had like... to look it up. <laughs> it's like lobster with like some stuff in it, and like 
Oh, okay. Co- like stuffed lobster? Yeah, it's like lobster with uh, cognac in it. I think I'm mm. saying that right. Uh, I, I, but anyways, it, it's just a special way to prepare lobster. Uh, so he's very particular about that. And it sound, I don't know if I've... I can't remember the last time I had lobster that was reheated. I don't think that migrated lobster would be that good. Um, yeah, but anyway, that's supposed to hammer home how sad his life is, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that microwave scene at that, like, that was a scene where I was like, "Wow, they're really doing this with Legos. That's awesome." Um, oh yeah, and that was so cool. Like, the lighting in this movie is awesome. It is when the, when the the microwave like is spinning around, or whatever, and you can see the the bat like out a silhouette like on the background. Yeah, and there's so many moments in this movie that I was just like, I was so impressed with like how well it was lit uh, for being like an animated movie. I don't know, it's like. It's probably not that hard, you know, <laughs> but like that's so much. It's so important to like the tone and everything. So, well, yeah, I mean, just like, uh, I mean, I kind of got the, not not necessarily like Wes Anderson feel of it, but like the Wes Anderson level of uh, commitment to the medium, where you're yeah. like, this is all gonna be Legos, and we're not gonna let you forget that it's Legos, but we're also going to tell a story so well that you are you might forget. Yeah. Uh, even though we're still being very upfront about it being Lego. So it's, 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 it's so enjoyable. It makes me really want to watch more Lego movies. Yes. And, uh, so, yeah. So um, that's a big part. Eating lobster thermidor is a big part of who this Batman is. Um, beatboxing <laughs> and rapping is also a big part of this yes, Batman. Yes, he writes all his own songs. <laughs> yes. And that's, for me, that's just a big Lego thing. You know, giving Batman this, like, Bat- Lego Batman is supposed to be Batman. But he's also supposed to be their own Batman, right? And giving him these uh, quirky little interests lets lets them make Batman their own without taking away or changing who he is in his entirety too much. Uh, Because it's still, I mean, uh, beatboxing and rapping still seems, the way he does it still makes it seem quite... uh, self-indulgent and <laughs> makes it appear that he thinks that he's really cool and yeah. uh i mean prancing around in a bulky like muscle costume with a cape also is in the same vein of thinking that you're really cool and uh <laughs> and like you know i i, I think it, it works well especially with how silly this movie is no yeah it does it, it fits in with like the his kind of whole demeanor yes um and, but no it's kind of nice having that having him have some hobbies, I guess, you know, like have some sort of interest outside of being Batman. Uh, even if it is like all sent, like even if his beatboxing and rapping is all about how awesome he is and how much he loves being Batman. It's like, it still like shows some, I don't know, some other outlet besides, you know, punching people. Yes. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's kind of nice. It's like, a, it's a little bit of like depth to your Batman character that you don't expect. Yeah, no, and and it could really only exist in the Lego universe. So it's uh, well, actually, the, the the scene that they show from the '60s Batman in this one, where Batman's dancing, makes me really <laughs> want to watch that one uh, <laughs> because it looks ridiculous. Um, the '60s were a weird time, though. So uh, another specific Batman thing here: uh, the Bat Facts, and I think that is very much just poking fun at how there's the Bat anything, almost on the level of like yeah, the Bat like in his card. head, <laughs> yeah. Barbara's like, I sent that fax. Like, what? And and it's and it's printed out like in the bat symbol too. Like the the words are printed out in the bat symbol too. Yeah, uh, uh, it was funny. That was great. Um, <laughs> another point, a hilarious Batman thing was all his different bat suits. Uh, which oh which that is another. And, and I'm gonna harp on this a few times. Is the like just being very Lego specific. 
because uh, it, that's one of the things that if you like play a Lego video game, there's like one of the best things is collecting all the different iterations of the characters because yeah. Legos are so customizable. Um, you just basically keep the same head and replace everything else, and you can create different costumes for any Lego person. So uh, that that was funny, and you can read those, and there's there's pretty uh, like there's funny names for them, like the culturally insensitive mariachi bat. <laughs> that costume. was so funny. Yeah. It's like, what are, like Robin's like scrolling through them, and he's like, "What about this one?" He's like, "That one's culturally insensitive." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, you know, like a little kid would never catch that, but it's so quick. They can just throw that in. Um, And then the origin of the Robin costume, he's like originally the reggae Batman costume. They they called me Reggae Man. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. Uh, Which, like, Robin's whole origin story is great. We'll get into that a little bit more, but later uh, when we're talking about not Batman. But that uh, was hilarious how that's where his costume came from. Uh, but also, okay, so this was really interesting to me that Batman's computer assistant, aka, like, and he called the computer, but he uh, referred to it as Pewter for yeah. most of the mu- movie, uh, was played by Siri. If you look on IMDb, Apple's AI, Siri, is credited as a voice actor in this movie. Yeah, which is like, how does that work? Did they just get her to say stuff? They're like, hey, say this. Sure. Is that I, how that works? I, I I doubt that they're in the studio going, "Hey Siri, like r- read this script or something." I oh my gosh, I just said that and my phone went and just, <laughs> like <laughs> into the mode there. Um, but anyways, um, Batman. So I I actually made a joke in our Batman and Robin <sighs> episode where I said um, Batman has FaceTime in the Batmobile. Yeah, because he's voice. He's doing like a video call with the commissioner or something where they're telling him uh that mr freeze is robbing the museum right and we were like like that's so silly that they have facetime in the batmobile and in this movie they literally have an iphone at, like as the main con like console for the uh <laughs> speed wagon so i mean apple apple is in this movie it, they don't hide it like batman has an iphone uh multiple multiple Characters have iPhones, but to their credit, not every single smartphone in this movie is an iPhone. When they're taking pictures at the Jim Gordon uh, retirement gala, there's plenty yeah. of phones there. I looked, and there's just phones. They don't have any logos on them. So good on Apple for not making it over oversaturation with sure. the ads. But I mean, having Batman waving around an iPhone is pretty pretty noticeable. Yeah, it's pretty. It is pretty noticeable. I mean, it's kind of, it's just kind of funny, just because it it puts it in the the modern era in a big way, right? Yeah. And the, I mean, the scuttler, like another Apple reference, is like the when the scuttler is first built, it's it has the Mac startup noise, you know, like that tone. Yeah. Which I I can't emulate because I can't actually sing, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And uh, I mean, good on Apple to find a way to continue to market themselves. Although yeah, that was interesting. Speaking of being in the modern era, I liked how young batman young bruce took a selfie with his parents the night that they died which <laughs> selfies definitely did not exist back then oh I don't, selfies existed for a long time they just didn't call them selfies sure but it just i was like oh how convenient that he took my a favorite, selfie that night my favorite part of that picture was that he took it right in front of crime alley yeah <laughs> i saw that too uh, oh that was so funny okay um so another like big thing which i want to get into more is uh this batman like has this like overall arrogance to him 
more so than the other Batmans. Like the other Batmans are more reserved. You know, they're like, I ha- I'm doing what I have to do. You know, this is my job. You know, no one else can do what I'm doing. You know, whatever, right? This one is like, this Batman is more like, you know, Gotham is totally reliant on me. I am, you know, the force for justice in Gotham. The police are useless. I'm the best thing that's ever happened. You know, I, I feel like it's justified in a certain way because, you know, he does save the city countless times and he is, you know, so great at everything or whatever, right? But it is like, it makes you kind of hate him in a little way, right? Which I think is like really important to his growth as a character is how much he's just like, he's like, I don't need anybody else. I'm perfect by myself. You know, everything I do is perfect. It's, um, I don't know, it's just this overwhelming arrogance that uh, is uh, really interesting. Well, for me, I, I, I stop liking him when his arrogance turns to delusion, uh, when he clearly can't do it alone, but he still yeah. insists on it, even to the point where he's uh, relying on inanimate objects over <laughs> people that he cares about because he's just so, uh, he wants to do it himself. <laughs> he ties the, he goes, engage autopilot, and he just ties a rope around the control. <laughs> until i get back rope is in charge (laughs) that was so funny uh yeah that was good too um but yeah you're exactly right like that that level of arrogance to the point where he's like it's comical right yeah it is um it really turns you off to him and i think that's the whole point and the, the the growth that you see in this movie so we already kind of talked a little bit about bruce wayne but i mean there's this one line where uh he says um, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic, which I think really does hammer home this point that in this movie, especially Bat- Bruce Wayne is the mask for Batman. Yep. For sure. Especially when I, I actually thought that this movie was going to leave Bruce Wayne completely out of it. When mm. Batman returns, puts on his bathrobe, but still keeps the mask on. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, just showing that he's more comfortable as Batman than Bruce Wayne. Um, I, I actually thought they were going to totally avoid Bruce Wayne and just make this Lego Batman. Uh, but obviously Bruce makes an appearance a couple of times, but uh, he, there really is only one persona here. It's Batman. Yeah, really. And, and yeah, you're, you're exactly right when you said earlier is that like, even Bruce Wayne acts like Batman. So there's not like a, there's not like a difference really between the characters. And yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. Well, I think part of that may have been not wanting to confuse the like, audience that's going to have children in it. Uh, needlessly, right? Like if yeah. he went to the gala and acted differently, because uh, Batman kind of acts like a douche in this movie a lot, anyways. So when Bruce Wayne is at the gala acting like the rich douche, going like, "All right, like you guys ready? I'm doing three poses," you know, like he's yeah. he's like li- you know d- just doing the routine. Uh, it's a not different from Batman, and B, it's just uh, it, it, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to not be Batman in that in this movie he, he can yeah. continue being batman while he's well, that's wayne. the thing is that like nobody can figure out that bruce wayne is batman it doesn't matter what he does or like how much they find out about him like because even when joker is like uh all right we need to figure out where bat the bat cave is and then they're like it's under wayne manor and joker's like does that mean that bruce wayne is batman's roommate <laughs> So funny! Oh my gosh! Like, it's like to the yeah, to the T. They're just like no one can figure out that Bruce Wayne is Batman. It's uh, that's always like the thing, and it's just a, it's like the Clark Kent glasses, right? Like, you just accept that it, he's disguised. Yeah. Right. Like you don't 
you don't think about how logical it is one way or the other. You just accept that, like, he's in disguise, no one can see him. No one can recognize him. To be fair, I think in the Christopher Nolan series, they, they do a, a, a better job of it than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, this one's like, like he doesn't have, try to hide it at all. I yeah. mean, that's what we're saying. Like, Bruce Wayne acts like Batman. Like, yeah, he's just whispering to himself, yeah, I'm sure Batman, if Batman was here, like, uh, you know, like, whatever. It, Bruce Wayne is so pro-Batman, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, it, um, it, no, but no one can put that together. That's just how it works in this universe. And to a certain extent, all the Batman universes. Okay, so we're talking, uh, we're talking a little bit about how it kind of exaggerated some of the things in this movie are. Do you think, it, do you think this is a a bat straw man? <laughs> <laughs> um, see what I did there? Yes, and, and I don't think that. Uh, because I, I think a sh- the definition of a straw man is it's like a false representation that you're supposed to knock down in order to like. Well, not necessarily false, argument. just like an exaggerated, right? Sure. Like it's like you're you're not you're not giving it all the credit it's due. Well, I, I guess I just don't agree with every Batman being due the uh, the greatness of other Batmans. Uh, like I I, hmm. I, I mean hmm. th- this this movie does a good job of glorifying Batman at the beginning and showing that like this is. You, the Batman you love, he, he's awesome. He's defeating all the villains that you've seen him defeat in the past. Uh, but he also has problems. And, uh, and, and I think that that's valid. Uh, maybe they kind of push it to the extreme with some of his arrogance and delusion about himself. But I don't think that that's not warranted. Um, I mean, hmm. again, it, it, every Batman is a little bit different. So uh, would I say that the flaws that apply to this batman are can be found in every other batman i would say no especially not to the degree that they are but but i think that i don't think that they've overstepped any boundaries here to make this batman the batman that he is yeah and i agree with that and i really do think that he is a little bit of an exaggeration but for the most part for the casual like batman fan the casual movie goer the batman in this movie is a really good representation of the batman that exists in most people's heads sure you know, and he, um, and so when you make these criticisms of him and you say like, oh, he's, you know, he's too dependent on himself, he's too arrogant and stuff, you know, he's, he takes the law into his own hands. Those have, those different things have been addressed in these other movies. And we've talked about how each movie kind of does their own thing with that. But in the, in the minds of the casual viewer, these are all valid criticisms. And to have this movie kind of address those more broadly, um, I think is powerful. I, I think it's also, uh, yeah, it may be that this version of Batman is kind of from the viewer's mind, too. Like, he, he mm. sees himself as his fans see him, uh, which, because Batman isn't going around bragging about his muscles or about how big his brain is, but his fans are. You, yeah. get, you get into an argument with a Batman fan <laughs> about, uh, w- like, if he could take out Superman, and yeah, they're going to talk about how, like, Batman is the best. And, uh, and it's, and, and obviously Batman doesn't do that stuff pretty much in any of the other movies. Um, you, it's not wrong. It's yeah. not, it's just, he's more self-aware of Batman as like a cultural icon. Right. And I think that's, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that. Um, okay. So yeah, of course there, there are a few things in here that like we've kind of talked about a little bit, um, like he mentions how he's a vigilante, and he definitely seems like he's thrill-seeking. These are all things that have been addressed in Batman Begins and stuff. So, um, no, no, but no, you're you're right. Like the way he's portrayed in this movie is exactly the way that 
the fans see him. Right? And and I so. loved it. And I I'm gonna keep bringing it up. Uh, that the let's get nuts mix is so awesome. <laughs> Every it's such a, such a good job of summarizing Batman. Uh, and, and and also kind of doing it to the extreme to to like if you are a big Batman fan and all you want to see is Batman being awesome without any of the complications of uh, you know repercussions of the destruction that he causes or uh, deciding whether or not being Batman is the right solution uh, you can just <laughs> enjoy that montage of Batman kicking Lego butts left and right uh, yeah really that's, that's, that's really what I want to talk about next because I, I actually I really like that song it's I think it's called who's the man or who's the Batman um, it's on it's on YouTube and I, I listened to it like a couple times in a row and something like really stuck out to me and it's just about how to, at least for this Batman is like to be Batman is the dream of any little boy or middle-aged man yep. to have all these freedoms with no responsibility to have everyone love you but you're apathetic toward everyone else right yeah he talks about like it's like the ultimate adolescent dream no bedtimes unlimited cookies uh, he's got the trick out ride. He's got the coolest gadgets. He's super rich. He's got big muscles and a bigger brain. He doesn't pay his taxes. Yeah, like, wait, why? Why, <laughs> why doesn't he pay his taxes? I didn't get that part. I, but that, no, I think that fits in perfectly. It's like this idea of like having no responsibilities, of like, per, like being, being the ultimate man in uh-huh. a way. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like you. Oh, your muscles are so big. Oh, you're super rich. Like you're super successful. Everything you do works out perfectly. It's like this. This is this dream that people have, or they can of just like everything going perfectly in their lives, right? Yeah, he and, even has an extra ab yeah. <laughs> hidden under the other abs, a ninth ab. Yeah, uh, yeah. That I mean, I think all of that is like plays into this like dream of, you know, this kind of masculine image and one of those things is like uh that libertarian value of not having to pay your taxes you know what i mean yeah i think i think that fits in perfectly it i i i mean i definitely agree with the whole like dream of any little boy or middle-aged man like it's batman has it all without any of the like feelings or uh reliance on anybody else It, it is the dream but it's also as this movie points out uh unsustainable unrealistic oh unsustainable but insufficient really that's you know? true yeah i mean it, i think this movie kind of portrays its own version of toxic masculinity this idea that you can push other people away or like that you you don't need other people and that like feelings are for losers or whatever right like you like the the modern man i'm gonna i'm gonna speak from you know my experience as being a 24 year old here <laughs> um the, like the the modern man needs to be in touch with all of you know in touch with his feelings in touch with the the, the state of the world you know they they can't be blind to the other people's suffering and to i don't know batman is kind of or at least in this movie um is really kind of perpetuating this idea of um like you don't need anybody else you you can be you can be your own person without like you can be in an island and not have any repercussions from that. And like, that's what I think makes Batman such a perfect example in this movie is because he does do everything perfectly, right? Like he has all of this um, freedom, you know, everyone loves him and he doesn't care about anybody else. And yet he is still like secretly miserable and he still can't, like in the end, he still can't solve all the problems, right? But up until that point, it, it works perfectly, right? You see what I'm saying? Like it's, 
he has everything. He has all the stuff he ha- he wants. He can do anything he wants, and yet he's still missing something. He's still looking at the family photos and uh, yeah. and feeling bad about it. Right. Okay, so another thing we can talk about, which is kind of another exaggeration, but I think hilarious in its own way, is the, uh, Batman is seen as the ultimate solution to crime. The police force are completely useless in this movie. Jim Gordon's Jim Gordon as he's retiring, he has like a catchphrase. He says, "That's me." Flip and like, and that's when he he hits the uh, the bat signal button. Like that's that's his whole thing is he hits this bat signal button better than anyone else. Yeah, and oh my gosh, like that is not giving Commissioner Gordon enough credit. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, like uh. he's uh, but that is his whole thing, and he does it multiple times during the movie where other people are taking action. He's just there hitting the button over and over again. Yeah, and. It, I mean, the two symbols of the city, the city, like the city is when he hands over, uh, like the role of commissioner to his daughter, uh, he gives her the key to Arkham Asylum and the bat signal button, which I think is like, it's really interesting. And the way she reacts to that is is so good too, because she's like, wow, thanks for this. Like, you know, (laughs) like really, this is, this is the, you know, this is what crime has come to in this city. (laughs) You know, like these are the these are the symbols like Arkham Asylum, which is you know notorious for not being able to hold any of its villains, um, and and the fact that you even need something like that, right? You need like a place for all your crazies to live, and then uh, of course the bat signal as like your only solution to all this pro- all these problems. But yeah, she I mean she goes further with this. I mean she says she's like in her little like initiation speech, she's like. We need to take up the things that are good about Batman and combine them with the with the uh, the police force. And she lists some of the things that are good about Batman, like cool gadgets, loves punching, excellent brooding. <laughs> it's so quick. They do not give you enough time to read that. No. <laughs> uh, so good. But then she, I mean, she says, um, we need a, a different solution than somebody karate chopping poor people in a Halloween costume, which is like, ooh, like that hits hard. Like That does hit hard. That's. I mean, that's kind of the image that, uh, like, going back to that tweet about how Batman shouldn't exist and how Bruce Wayne should have been a socialist, uh, that they would definitely call Batman, like, uh, uh, yeah. somebody in a Halloween costume karate chopping poor people. Uh, so yeah, it, which, it, and I it's just it's, a bad look for him. Yeah, and I think this is interesting because it's kind of, like, our, uh, our attitude toward crime has kind of evolved as these movies have come out. You know, maybe not us, but like as a society, and seeing that like you you can see crime as a more not not quite as black and white as it used to be, right? Like it's not so much like bad people doing something because they're bad. It's they're bad like people doing something bad because they have to. They have no other choice. It's more nuanced than just bad people do bad things and thus deserve to be kicked in the face. Deserve to be karate chopped exactly. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's interesting how she, uh. And she kind of puts this idea out there and saying, like, you know, it's not their fault that they're doing crimes. It's it, we need to do something more. We need to be serving our community better. Better, you know, violence isn't going to solve our our problems. Well, here. speaking of, uh, you know, ch- changing with the times and this being obviously the most. Well, no, actually, Batman has been in some DC movies since this one came out, but um, he's been in Justice League. But yeah. uh, since this is a the most recent Batman movie we've talked about on the podcast, this I would say the 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 women in this movie, the uh, women Lego characters, have some of the most agency in this movie that I've seen from these Batman movies. 
Yeah. Because the mayor is uh is is a woman, and also obviously Commissioner Gordon is a woman, and she's. I mean, it's it's almost hilarious to compare her agency to uh, Commissioner Gordon, the original Commissioner Gordon, yeah. her father. You know, so I think that that is also kind of a changing with the times, is giving the women, even though it's Batman versus the Joker, it, there's still a lot of uh, a lot more de- more depth to the women in this movie. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit more about Gotham City, specifically like the relationship of a city. I was thinking about this, like, what, what exactly is a city? Is a city the brick and mortar? Like, is it the, the shops? Is it the town? Is it like the, you know, is it the, um, the town? Does it make sense? Is it the city? Is it the streets? Is it the buildings? Or is it the people in it? Right? Because, mm-hmm. like, Batman kind of treats Gotham as his own, like, like, Goth- like, Gotham is its own entity, right? And he's a city of Gotham. But he just, it's not, save the people of Gotham. And maybe if he was a little bit more connected to the people around him and the people in the city, you know, that would make a difference. Yeah, I I agree. It's that Gotham to Batman is just uh, like a lone entity, an idea. I must protect the idea of Gotham. It it happens to be a location, but uh, Batman keeps himself far away from anybody who actually lives in Gotham. Yeah. And uh, and Barbara Gordon kind of puts it well when she says, you can't be a hero if you only care about yourself. Because Batman, while he claims to always be doing what's best for, for the city, uh, he's really doing it because he loves to be a hero so much. And he loves the, the, the glory that comes with him saving the day. Uh, we actually kind of touched on this topic in Incredibles 2, where we talk about the, uh, the motivations of, Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl hmm. were trying to decide if they love being a superhero because they love to save people and do what's and do good, or if they love being superheroes because they love the thrill of being a superhero so much. Right. And I mean, this, that's kind of, I mean, we've talked about it in Batman Begins too, right? That's what Alfred says. Like, you said this wasn't about thrill seeking, you know, it's about saving the city. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that's such a good point about this Batman because it seems like, like he takes pride in what he does, but to the point where like he can't let anyone else do it too. So okay, there's another great relationship. There's a bunch of relationships in this movie, and and those are those are kind of the that's the theme of this movie, but also, you know, a big part of of Batman's growth. So for example, example his son, uh, Dick Grayson, who he accidentally adopts. <laughs> At the gala. Yeah, I didn't know that's how adoption worked. You're just like, yeah. I adopt you. And it's, it, it is final right there. I don't know. But, but yeah, he yeah. just kind of shows up in, in the house. I love him, though. He's such a cute little kid. Uh, this is Robin done correctly, in my opinion. Because uh, I hated Robin after Batman and Robin. Yeah. But the first thing you hear him say when he's in Wayne Manor is he's like, wow, stairs. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just Amazing. a little orphan boy who just wants to be loved like he has no he's the opposite of like a spoiled child like he just wants to please his father and uh you know like give love and receive love yeah and he's just i mean he's super um how was it he's not whiny at all you know he, he's just very receptive and he's always like willing to to do stuff 
Um, voiced by Michael Sarah, by the way. Yes. This, I mean, this movie's chock full of uh, big name actors, yeah, voice definitely. actors, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's he's similar to Bruce in a way, right? He has all of this like circus training or something, right? He's very nimble. Um, what is it that he says? Like, can you be as like, can you be silent? And he says, "What I desire to be." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's so funny. Oh my gosh! And he has those yeah, big but, old eyes too. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he doesn't like. I don't know. He's he goes after like Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne is the world's most famous orphan, right? Um, Which but, is hilarious too. <laughs> <laughs> he's the greatest orphan of all time like that, that's yes. great <laughs> but like so he kind of has that connection there but also like he's like naive and young right he doesn't he doesn't have all these years of being alone and being like neglected necessarily the, the kind of way that bruce has he has like his own you know sad history of you know because he's an orphan but he doesn't let that like penetrate to his soul the way kind of bruce does right i mean he hasn't Either he hasn't had time or he's just fundamentally different. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I really liked, and I think it's part of the, th- the reason that uh, I was so much more, um, or, or th- this character of Robin uh, endeared himself to the audience a little easier than the one from Batman and Robin, was that he was the opposite of Robin. He was super good of, at executing Batman's instruction, <laughs> like to the point of it being hilarious. It was hilarious. Now, do all of everything I just told you backward. Yeah. <laughs> and he even more or less makes it out. Yeah, he's on fire, but he makes it out. Yeah, some stuff stuck out. Of him. Oh, and I, I loved that when Robin was coming up with his name and said, "He's like, can we have code names? I want to be Robin." And Batman hates the idea from the beginning. Yeah, the small Midwestern frail bird. <laughs> like, like yes. why would you pick that? <laughs> I don't know, but like, but that no, that's so good too, because it's like it fits into his little like, you know, his little wholesomeness, his little like, um, he's just so cheery and, and happy, just like a little bird, right? Yeah, it it like it fits with his character to pick something so, you know, not terrifying like a bat. <laughs> and, and I I like the father son dynamic between these two. It's it's not, it's not about Robin being Batman or being a Batman equivalent. It's yeah. about being, uh, you know, his his sidekick, and it's, it's just, about yeah, yeah. It's about spending time, quality time with your dad. So it's it's I don't know that that's so much easier to get on board with than I wish I was literally you, Batman. Like, <laughs> okay, why don't you trust me? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and I I feel like the trust thing works a little bit better in this one. Uh, but we'll we'll get to Batman's kind of growth uh, a little yeah, bit later. Yeah. Um. So. Another good character, another important character in this movie is Alfred, of course. Um, he has, like, at one point, he, well, he's like the circuit father, right? He, um, he's reading a book called How to Deal with Your Problem Child or something. Yes. <laughs> I can't remember what it was called. It was like, yeah, how to, how to reach your out-of-control child or something like that. And he was like reading this book. He was reading it and applying the methods in it with Bruce uh, immediately. <laughs> like, yeah. even while there's like bad guys showing up. Which I thought was funny. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, he, I know, he really steps in. And uh, I mean, he's the reason that he lets, uh, what's his name, Dick uh, Robin into his life. He, um, he lives to that. I'm, do you let him to the Batcave? I let him, no, I let him into your life via the Batcave. Yes. And, and he's, uh, which first off, I, I just have to give props in every movie uh, to a good Alfred. I mean, this Alfred is old. He's wise. 
he uh, cares about Bruce uh, a lot, or Batman, I guess, um, like to the point where he is a father figure, and they're very on the nose about him being basically Bruce's dad. Um, yeah. Which I feel like the other movies are, they shy away from a little bit. It's more of like he's somebody that loves him, but in this one, he basically is his dad, uh, which makes the line where he says, where Batman says, what do you know about raising a surrogate son? It cuts so deep, right? Because Alfred, yeah. Alfred, and, and it, only, it only stuns Alfred for a moment because Alfred knows that Batman will learn from having his own surrogate son. Uh, but it, it sucks cause for, for, for um, Alfred because he has been Bruce's dad, essentially, uh, and Bruce fails to recognize that. Yeah, I mean, this is just like going back to the perpetual adolescence thing that we were talking about earlier. It's this idea of like, I don't know, pushing him away or or not having any emotional intelligence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, I don't know it, whether or not he really like means it is is kind of beside the point. It's just like he he he's so stunted in his emotional growth. Batman is that he can't recognize what Alfred is trying to do for him. Right, and and just to go back to what I was just saying uh, about giving props for a good Alfred because he was old because I still hate the hunky younger Alfred that they have in the DC universe. Played right, by like, Jeremy Irons. Yeah. So. Well, this, one, this one is voiced by uh, Ray Fiennes, who you may recognize as um, uh, Gustav from Grand Budapest Hotel. That's right, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it just... I, I, you know, I have to give props because I've seen it done so awfully elsewhere. So uh, another good uh, interpretation of Alfred, who should be always easy to inter- like to put on screen. But we've, well, we've how shown much it. Did you, how much did you love the uh, little bald cap? Oh, yeah. Little Lego bald cap to hide his little stud on his head. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I, it, that's it's so Lego. Okay, so another another relationship we got to talk about uh, is Barbara. So. She's like she's her own like kick-ass woman in this. I mean, she's like doing just as much stunt work as Batman is. She's jumping all over the place. She's got her nunchucks and stuff. And later, she's dressed up as Batgirl. Um, but yeah, she's she's so great. And she, just as you said earlier, she has all this agency. Um, and I mean, she's really trying to turn the whole city around. And like in her first speech, everyone in the crowd's like, "Yeah, why is that like that?" Yeah, <laughs> which is well, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and Bruce keeps spitting out his drink. Uh, <laughs> but I, I th- honestly, I was a little surprised that she became Batgirl. It seemed mm. more of a move to appease Batman. Like he still has a little bit of that arrogance that she is like, "If I'm going to work with him, I have to kind of appease him." Uh, yeah, because she had so much agency. I felt like she could have been her own. She could have just been the commissioner. Yeah, well, I think that's kind of... The, I mean, that, that was her plan, right? Was to, to have Batman and the police force team up. Yeah. And not so, mu- not so much, like, eliminate the need for Batman as much as, um, you know, use Batman's methods and apply them more widespread. Right, but at that point, like, because she, she... Remember, she talked about wanting to be Batman when she was younger, and mm. then she, she just... Once she got to work with him, she found out how much of a butthole he is. Like, <laughs> I, I, it just seemed... Uh, for me, it just seemed a little bit out of character for her to so readily uh, become Batgirl just mm. so that she can... It just seemed like she was trying to stay on brand with Batman. I don't know. Maybe it shows unity yeah. within them, but uh, I think it, she could have very easily been her own identity superhero. Uh, because she was just as capable. Yeah, you're right about that. But, I mean, she was just so much more mature than basically anyone else in this movie. She was, like, really the voice of reason in a lot, for a lot of this. 
and it um I don't know it maybe that was just like a fulfillment of a childhood fantasy or or maybe she was what you're saying appeasing him sure so. uh but the uh what's it called she just going back to some other Batman friends Barbara's father Commissioner Gordon uh like we said earlier they're always harping on this this button it is uh I, I mean I, I thought it was it, they kind of culminate his whole um identity in that one line where the pilot is talking to the Joker saying like oh you've uh like you're not gonna take over the city like Batman will Batman stop will you. stop you and, then, <laughs> and he says that he uh destroyed the bat signal because the egg man threw eggs at it and he's like dear, egghead yeah egghead. he's like dear god you destroyed the bat signal you have thought of everything <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that perfect that hilarious. <laughs> yeah so okay another there's another interesting relationship here and that is um relationship between joker and batman mm-hmm. joker only thing that joker wants in this movie is to be respected and seen by batman he wants to be, he wants Batman to recognize the Joker as uh, his greatest enemy, you know, and he wants him to say, I hate you in much the same way that you like, you say, I love you to someone for the first time. He wants uh, Batman to say, I hate you to him. So it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was a really interesting take on the Joker. And we can talk about him a little bit more in a second, but he's like, he is a little bit more grounded. He's almost more human um, in this one. and. He's he's very much like obsessed with Batman, but in a way that's like I'm look like I respect you so much. I want I want to receive respect from you. Yeah, and they kind of imply that a lot of Batman villains exist for the sole purpose of battling Batman. Hmm. So it, it kind of sticks with that, like the Joker. And actually, he kind of talks about this in the Dark Knight, because uh, the Joker's like, I wouldn't, I don't want to kill you, you know, like. I like we complete each other, uh, yeah. which is kind of a little bit what the Joker goes for here. Um, and also, without having any sort of sexualness to it at all, this is kind of the love arc in this movie. Um, yeah, because it's it's about Batman finally allowing the Joker to be a part of his life, which is like what you know that's kind of wacky, <laughs> but it makes sense in the context of the film. Um, so because there's definitely a lack of a love connection between uh batman and barbara uh which the movie is is uh is fine with it, you know it, it it you kind of get this in the place of uh batman having a love interest in the movie yeah um although there is like that one scene where like he like sees her for the first time and he like falls in love but like that's never it never comes back really. it's never yeah it's never reciprocated at the very least <laughs> no um and yeah i think you're exactly right about like how the that love story kind of culminates between Batman and, and Joker. It's uh, it's interesting how how that like a dynamic just like works out, you know, and and how like they're always going to be fighting and everything, and they just kind of recognize each other as like formidable foes, right? And and well, I mean, what do you think is the Joker Batman's greatest villain? Greatest I think enemy? So I mean, yeah, there's a, I mean, I don't know. It's it's weird, right? Because you don't think of like. He's not like the direct opposite, you know? I mean, they talk about Superman and Zod in this movie. And, like, Superman and Zod are, like, they're both Kryptonians. They're from the same planet. They just have, like, different ideologies. So, like, they're almost the same, right? They're, they're literally mirrors of each other. But Batman and Joker are not... It's, the mirror isn't quite as obvious. You have to kind of, like, go a little bit deeper. But they do have so much, like, similar to each other. And, um, I don't know. It's just... Ha- it's really interesting 
how the Joker is like a response to Batman in a lot of ways. Yes. You know, and to to uh, uh, have a villain like that is really interesting, um, you know, regardless of how he is. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. I can't think of a better one. Yeah, no, I, I think so, too. Espe- well, and it's like, I think maybe, this- maybe Mr. Freeze. <laughs> Play <my laughs> <artist's first name. laughs> well, close second. <laughs> they, um, it, it's impo- I think it's impossible to talk about Batman outside of the context of his entire body of work. And if I and it's I, I, I think that there's uh, no movie that can compare to the or no villain in, in the movies that can compare to the Joker versus uh, Batman. Like it's just as far as like a compelling villain that's interesting and deep and worth, uh, you know, analyzing. Mm. I, in my opinion, you can't. At least in our my my history of seeing that movie and the ones we've seen, uh, I I don't think that anybody comes close to the Joker. Even the Jack Nicholson one, uh, is is really well done, and it's just a perfect antagonist for Batman. So yeah, I I, I would agree with the Joker that he deserves some credit from Batman. But yeah. uh, the, I mean, the next thing we're going to do is dive into the multitude of villains that uh, appear in this film. But before we get to that, we are going to take a quick break. So stick with us. Computer, how do I put the Joker in Arkham Asylum? Quickest route, no freeways. Computer, do you hear me? Hello, Master Bruce. I've just taken away your computer privileges. Gasp! Sir, it's time for you to stop this unhealthy behavior. You can't spend the rest of your life alone, dressed in black, and staying up all night. Good night, Alfred. Sir, it's morning. You need to take responsibility for your life, and it starts by raising your son. I'm sorry. I literally have no idea what you're talking about. The young orphan you adopted at the gala. I thought I was being sarcastic. Hello, secret camera. What? It's the bat cave! Oh my gosh, 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 oh my gosh! Batman! Whoa! You're darn right, whoa! Wait, does Batman live in Bruce Wayne's basement? No, Bruce Wayne lives in Batman's attic. Wow! Do I get a costume? Don't touch that. The mariachi. Like that, one. that one is culturally insensitive. Night terror. What do we think of this? Glam bat. This one. Absolutely not. Wait, what's that one there? I love it. My only trouble is his pants are just a little tight. I got an idea. Rip! It's better. Now I'm free. Now I'm moving. Come on, Batman. Let's get grooving. I can only look you in the eyes right now. Are you ready to follow Batman and maybe learn a few life lessons along the way? I sure am. But first, where's the seatbelt? The first lesson is... Life doesn't give you seatbelts. Alfred, I have incredible reflexes. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. I am so sorry. As soon as I get back to the Batcave, I will make sure that Alfred puts seatbelts on there. But for the time being, I'm just going to put my arm right here, and we're just going to gently ease out of here. Real gentle-like. Alright, we are back, and it's time to talk about the villains, and there's a whole bunch of them. Oh my the, god, there's this... too many villains. There's too many. <laughs> there's, there's like two whole, like, groups of villains yeah and each of them is like longer than the other um so okay there's 
The classic uh, Batman villains. The the main one is the Joker, voiced by Zach Galifianakis. Uh, he uh, he literally says in this movie, "We aren't so different, I and you." So good. That was such a funny finally. They, first off, <laughs> like finally they said it explicitly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but also, the, he he says it that weird way so that he can say, <laughs> "It's you and I." So like at the same time as Batman. It's Jinx. Yeah, Jinx and Batman. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I don't know. He's he's interesting. I don't like. How do you feel about Zach Galifianakis' performance? I didn't feel like it was especially notable. It's not like I could tell it was even him. Rest, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. No. I don't, I don't think the voice acting was like took away or added too much to the to the performance. No. I I like I don't know the script I think kind of more elevated the Joker in a way because he was a more sensitive and more human than other you know iterations. He was much more like in tune with everything. I think the uh Phyllis says when he goes to the Phantom Zone that she, that he is a he's definitely a bad guy, but he has some vulnerabilities. Yes, and uh, I I guess if I could make one criticism, maybe I didn't love the laugh as much, mm. uh, which the Joker has the laugh a lot, and sometimes it's to terrifying effect. But I mean that's that's really not what this Joker was going for. Yeah, um, but he uh, he's kind of cute though, like the his little pointy teeth and his, like his big eyes. And the way his eyes like start to twinkle when he's getting sad when Batman says he doesn't care about him that was that was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> We've also got Harley Quinn who plays like a major role in this movie, but like has hardly any speaking lines. <laughs> True, and she's mostly just Joker's girlfriend. Yeah. Um. And then there's uh, Riddler, who's voiced by Conan O'Brien, which yes. I listened. You can't tell it's Conan, no, uh, because he does a, He's not doing Conan's voice; he's doing a voice, uh, so you really can't tell. Um, I think it was more they just wanted to include Conan O'Brien because they had all these stars, and it's like, wouldn't it be fun to also have Conan O'Brien? Yeah, he uh, has like maybe two lines. So yeah, it, yeah, he does have like two lines. Um, and my favorite line is when the Joker says, "Like we're all we're all surrendering," and they're like, "What?" And he he traps them all in that big like box with a bow on top of it, and you just hear the Riddler go like, "Riddle me this, what just happened?" <laughs> this is such a good uh, jab at the Riddler as a character. Yeah, uh, with his riddle me. You this can't just lines. ask a question. <laughs> Then you got uh you got Scarecrow in this who's like barely anything. You also got Bane, uh, who I think is one of the funniest characters in this one because he looks like how he does in Batman and Robin, but he sounds like how he does in The Dark Knight Rises. And he's voiced by Doug Benson. He's like, "Hi, I'm Bane." (laughs) (laughs) That was unnecessary when he gets punched. (laughs) But he's like so bulky and huge. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely a combination of the two Banes that we've seen on the screen because. Uh, right. He has the mask and the bulk of the uh, Batman and Robin pain, but he has the winter jacket and the voice <laughs> of the uh, Dark Knight Rises pain. And, and honestly, if you're asking me, that is the best of both worlds. I, it is. So good. And he, and he acts like he's not huge. Like when they're in Arkham and they're doing yoga out in the yard, he's also doing yoga, but he's still wearing the winter jacket. And he's like way bigger than everyone. He's got these tubes coming out of him. That's great. It is great. So much uh, good physical humor in this movie. Then there's uh, Two-Face, who is voiced by Billy D. Williams, who you may recognize as uh, Harvey Dent in Batman 1989. Yes, and also Lando. Yes. There's also Catwoman, who anytime she says anything, she says it with a meow meow. Hilarious. <laughs> I actually don't recognize Clayface. I don't know who that was. Or, or rather, I, don't, mm. I, I didn't know that was a Batman villain. Me either. I, I don't think I've seen him in anything. Besides maybe the Batman video game, the Lego Batman video game. 
There's also Poison Ivy, who plays a pretty small role, and Mr. Freeze, who has like maybe one or two lines, but one of them is, no, you freeze, <laughs> and the police say freeze to him. Yeah, which is great. Good inclusion. We didn't yeah. want, obviously, uh, couldn't let Arnold uh, reprise his role uh, and risk having him steal the entire show. Uh, exactly. So I think that was a that was a um, conservative <laughs> yeah it's a, it a conservative call, uh, especially with how many stars are in this movie. But obviously, it's too great a risk to let him do what he did in Batman and Robin and be like the entire reason people even watch that movie. So uh, also, wait, just going quickly back to Poison Ivy, I think they do yeah. pay homage to her and allow her to have her little moment in the spotlight when uh, she catches Batman and he has to keep giving her penguins to kiss. <laughs> He keeps grappling, hooking penguins, like, and then putting it in front of his mouth, and she keeps kissing him and killing them. Yeah. <laughs> That's <was> pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, the penguin is in there, too, like, again, briefly. Okay, so here's a bunch of other crazy Batman villains, which I want to list off. Uh, crazy Quilt, The Eraser, Polka Dot Man, Mime, Tarantula, King Tut, Orca, Killer Moth, Condiment King, Zodiac Master, Gentleman Coast, uh, Clock King, Calendar Man, Kite Man, Cat Man, Zebra Man, and Egghead. There's also... Uh, uh, Man Bat and Killer Croc, uh, who are not listed in that big list there. Um, but uh, I was trying to think. Uh, oh, so I want to do a little exercise here. Um, I looked up all of these because uh, <laughs> the the pilot, when Joker is listing off all his uh, villain associates, the pilot's like, "You made some of those up," and Joker's like, "No, I didn't. It's worth a Google." And I felt like that was a personal challenge to me, so I actually <laughs> did Google all of these. So here we go. We won't go through all of them, but. Benjamin, pick pick any of these, and I'll tell you a little bit about one of them. Uh, okay, I de- like the one that I love the most that I thought was so funny is Gentleman Ghost. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so Gentleman Ghost, this was this one was actually really interesting. He is lynched by Hawkman's like earlier incarnation, and Hawkman is he's like a reincarnated guy. Like every time he dies, he gets reincarnated, and uh, Gentleman Ghost has to haunt the world until his murderer or his lyncher. Uh, soul leaves the mortal plane, which is never will, because he's like basically immortal himself. Okay, that's so, it. Wow, that's actually okay. Wait, so the cal- <laughs> what about Calendar Man? Calendar Man uh, does stuff like uh, on specific days of the like of the month, or like he'll he'll on special holidays and stuff. That's like when he'll do his his crimes. He's uh he actually gets a little bit of the spotlight because when Batman launches his missile and uh, there's like a trail of villains holding onto it, they're like whoa, and then they explode. Calendar Man is there with his calendar cape <laughs> flapping behind him, which is hilarious. Um, okay, I guess. Oh, but my favorite is definitely Condiment King. Condiment King plays a big role in this. Oh, he's yeah. always like there <laughs> shooting stuff at when the windows gets, and things. Batman kicks him in the gut and he falls on the ground, squirting out condiments and making like a farting noise, like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so who's he? Who's he? Oh, uh, uh, Condiment King. Yeah. He was he was mostly for comic relief, honestly. Like he was, uh, he he's just like a condiment centric villain that was put in there as a joke. Okay, so, so. he's not. A, you googled him, and he's not a real villain. He is. He is like a real villain, but he was, like, he's probably <laughs> he has done perfectly in this movie. If that makes sense, like he is, uh, he is used for comic relief, just like in this movie. Okay, so he's like he's like perfectly represented. What? There's also, I mean, uh, there's Egghead, too, who actually was played by Vincent Price in the 60s TV show, uh, which you may recognize as the voice in Thriller, the guy who um, does, like, the laugh and, like, does all the... Uh, like, the like, the creepy The voice narrator. stuff. He's, like, a r- really famous, um, like, horror actor okay. from the 60s. Yeah. 
And I, lo- oh, and I loved the inclusion ahead. of Killer Croc. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, because he swims down to the bottom and turns on the bomb, and he says, I did something! <laughs> <laughs> Which is definitely 100%, definitely a reference to Suicide Squad, where Killer Croc was in the movie and literally did nothing except for move a bomb from one place. To- no, did he not even do that? No, that's right. Now I'm remembering. In Suicide Squad, they had they send a bunch of Navy SEALs down to move a bomb to like underneath where they needed to move it, and then they killed them without letting him get away. When they could have just sent Killer Croc, who can swim underwater super fast. Yeah, I uh, I actually didn't realize that. That's hilarious. I saw that movie and wished that I hadn't. Um, and also, Killer Croc just reminds me of um, it was what was it? I forget, something alligator from uh, Rick and Morty when they do their oh my gosh uh, episode. Yeah. Oh man, what was his name? He was like a robot croc. Um, yeah, that was yeah, funny. and and he's the same thing, just a stupid fro- like crocodile. Uh, yeah. Which and that was that I did something was because I I was when I was watching this movie, I was like, who is going to be the villain? And I saw okay, it's the Joker, and I was like, oh wow, it's the Joker and uh, and the Penguin and uh, Mister Freeze. And I was like, wait a second, slow down, like this too. <laughs> And then it, I, re- I finally came to the conclusion as to what they were going for when Killer Croc said, like, I did something. I was like, okay, so what they're doing is poking fun at how all these Batman villains are useless. Yes, it is perfect. And then there's, um, okay, so then later in the movie, they, they go to the Phantom Zone and release all the villains from classic movies. And I, okay, I made this joke last time. I didn't even realize it, but I knew it. Wizard of Oz is part of the Batman canon, confirmed. The Witch- Wicked Witch of the West is in this movie. Ha, I knew it. Yeah, you, you, you were right. And unfortunately, um, <laughs> Frasier wasn't uh, up there. is not <laughs> up there. <laughs> I'm just imagining what that would have been like, because they all got to take turns, like, terrorizing Gotham. Like, he would have been like, uh, I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, um, but okay, yeah, yeah. I have to concede you were you were right uh, that Batman is absolutely, undeniably confirmed part of the uh, Wizard Oz like cinematic universe. Are, are, but th- yeah, but also like okay, the other villains in there are Voldemort, King Kong. I think it's Godzilla. He's like he's not a Godzilla I'm familiar with, but he looks more like just like a giant sea monster who shoots fire. There's like a T Rex and a Velociraptor from I guess Jurassic Park. Gremlins. Um, they got Jaws. Um, all, the name of the the shark is Bruce. Anyway, um, and, and, like behind the scenes, there's also Dracula and Sauron, which was like a really interesting choice. The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> yeah. Um, because they had the whole tower and the eye and everything. They had the they called them British robots. They're the um, oh dang it, Dialects. I think they're called Dialects. Is that from, from uh Inspector Space Time? Yes, Inspector Space Time. That's correct. <laughs> there's also uh Medusa and Agent Smith. And that was an interesting inclusion too. Yes, he came up there replicating himself. And he gets There's a few. He background. gets a few lines. Yeah. Yeah, he does. There's the mummy in the background. There's also the creature from the Black Lagoon. Um. Yeah. So. So I think there's a couple other ones too. I, I don't know. So yeah, no, and I'm pretty sure the inclusion of these specific bad guys is because they're all Warner Brothers villains. Oh. Okay. Because I, I mean, mean, Harry Potter sense. is definitely um is definitely Warner Brothers. Uh, so is Gremlins. And uh, and John is Dracula. I thought Dracula was Universal. I'm not sure. Cause no, Jaws, Jaws. Well, Jaws used to be Universal. Cause I just I was just at Universal Studios. Oh no, you're had... right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Cause I I mean Lord of the hmm. Rings though is Warner Brothers, right? 
Uh, I don't know. <laughs> the thing is, I looked this up and I saw that, but I didn't independently confirm each movie. Okay. Um, but I mean, it makes sense that Warner Brothers would at least have license to do this. Well, uh, it's more like Lego because in um in the Lego movie they have all these different characters in there. They have Harry Potter characters, they have Lord of the Rings characters, they have all these different things in there. Was that one also um, Warner Brothers? I believe it's the same studio who did it. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Warner Brothers who did the Lego movie. And but like it was it was Lego who allowed the licensing of those characters. Okay, well I think that's actually probably more correct then. So. Cause they, cause, but I don't know if they have like, do they have Lord of the Rings sets or like Jaws sets or anything like that? I don't know. I don't know. They have a, they have a, a Jurassic Park game. They have some Jurassic Park sets for that. I know they have uh, Harry Potter stuff. We talked about that earlier. But yeah, and Medusa is also kind of a, uh, just a like monster. But I think yeah. Universal has all the monsters. Yeah. So, anyways, Universal monsters. Anyway, yeah. Uh, they, that was cool having them all in there. Well, what, yeah. So, what did you think of that? Because, um, like we said, too many villains. But I thought it was cool having those other villains in there. But it also kind of, uh, it it has. The, I think it ran the risk of maybe pulling us out of the Batman universe a little bit. I mean, it does a little bit, but like, it always kind of was that way. Being a Lego movie, that that's true. And it's also kind of um, like these villains are still done to a silly extent, where it's not really them. Right, like Voldemort is uh, not Voldemort, right? Like he may be, he just basically is the uh, a vehicle to bring Harry Potter magic into this movie. Yeah, he's just like a magic bad guy, yeah. basically. Yeah, there's not a lot of development for the for the villains. Um, but I don't know. I I think it was I think it was interesting. It definitely uh kind of elevated the story in a way, right? It made it like it made it more in like a big way, and it wasn't so much like. Like just uh, I don't know. It made the, it made the stakes a little bit higher, I guess. Just having all these like huge villains and stuff, and obviously they're they're building off of all the work that the other movies uh, that these that these villains work on. In you know what, you know what I mean? Like they don't have to set up Sauron. They don't have to explain who Sauron is or why he's scary. They just base it off of the reference. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it it makes sense that you know this is the first time Batman can't do it alone, and it's also the first time Batman takes on these supervillains from other universes. Yeah, definitely, and it. Um, I mean, that's that's that's, that's like an interesting point to to have, right? Like, this is something that Batman's never faced before and never will face again. So, to have this, you know, really huge battle, I guess, uh, makes it interesting. It's yeah, uh, I don't know. it kind of rivals uh, Infinity War as far as like ambitious <laughs> crossover films go. Yeah, greatest crossover of all time. I don't know. I'm gonna have to take a closer look and see if any of the other like minor villains are. Uh, anybody recognizable? Because uh, mm. I guess where did you where did you compile this list from? Just things you saw and remembered? Yeah, I just saw them. They didn't list them all off. Because um, I was um, because I mean, what maybe uh, maybe Fraser is in there, or maybe Joey <laughs> from Friends is in there too. <laughs> don't lose hope. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I uh, I think Zod is in there too, but you don't really see him like around at all. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, like the way they get out is so silly too because Harley Quinn just like hits a button on the phantom projector and then they're like let all villains out basically yeah. and they all like come out and then um you know they all just like pass the the phantom projector around and uh suck them back up so it's it's not hard to get them back to where they were but it's just uh I don't know it, it's a cool like little scene to have all these like villains from classic movies uh, uh, uh fighting each other and all done in Lego right and they also kind of um 
they they uh, play with the whole like not being too dark with the violence where they're like, oh, yeah. see the streets run red with blood. Oh, not blood, uh, lava. Yeah, lava. Lava's good. <laughs> That was really and they roast like that. I actually am a little bit confused at what happened there because there was a the lava was flooding the streets and this cat gets burnt, but it just turns black and it's like I'm okay. <laughs> like <laughs> that's how you get a black cat in Lego. I don't know, like, I don't know how that works. It. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was a little bit grim, but apparently <laughs> saying I'm okay just totally it makes it. Yeah, fun. I mean, like, do you have to, like if you're just gonna totally discount that? Why even put it in there? Right, right, exactly. Anyway, yeah, that was great. Um, I, I, it was fun watching all the villains and stuff. I, I, you're right. It doesn't like necessarily hold up perfectly because it's like they don't get a lot of development. They're not, um, they're not like done to the perfect amount, right? They're all kind of their own little, you kind of villain trope in a way. Sure, but like, a little cliche. I think that at the very least, it's up to you to decide if you like that or not. I don't think it's in like I think I, I personally think it worked well. Um, I thought it was, again, an ambitious crossover, but if you didn't like it, I guess I could see how you would come from that perspective. Yeah, I can see the argument for both sides, but I don't know. It's fun in the movie, and I think it doesn't, it doesn't break the fourth wall any more than it's already doing. Agreed. Okay, so there's a lot of like meta humor, obviously, in this movie. Uh, one of the big things that comes up constantly is there's no like sound effects. It's all like voice sound effects so when people shoot guns it's just pew 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 like literally people saying pew pew it's not like a gun sound oh which was so cool and also getting the first person uh shooter view from the joker when he was shooting at batman uh was really cool like it bring you down to like that level of what a lego sees in a lego world uh but yeah. but also hearing him say pew 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have to say it to shoot and there, like even like when they were um turning on the bat signal whatever it was never like a you know, it was like a flip. Yeah. Make, make the flip sound. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Uh, of course, um, there's a bunch of others like uh, superheroes in this movie, too, that we didn't talk about. The whole Justice League is in the movie. Oh, true. Uh, including Superman. Yeah. And, and, and they bring up the rivalry a lot between Superman <laughs> yeah. and Batman, where Superman's like, I would crush you. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, which I know just ignites uh, any sort of like fanboy debate. Oh, my gosh. Two. Trying not to talk about that. <laughs> uh, okay, but there's a couple things in here that like felt like almost ex- like specific responses to cinema sense. Did you catch any of that? I didn't until I saw this, but until I saw your notes. But I I definitely agree with it because like at the very beginning he's like narrating during the uh, the logo thing, which is always something they complain about. They're always like the logos are 40 seconds long. You know, I'm my relationship with cinema sense is complex, but. I don't like them that much. I think that um, I think they're worth talking about, but we'll say that for another time. Yeah. Um, there's also like one part where he's like, now brace yourself for reading. And then he has like a, you know, something on there, which is again, something they always complain about. They always complain about reading. And then there's the, uh, you gotta take, a, you gotta come look at this cliche, um, which is like one of their, one of the things that they harp on. Oh yeah. Uh, I love and, it. Oh my gosh. Then this movie, like it's so perfect because it's so innocuous. They're like, it's like, like you know, the villains are coming in. Like all the all the big guys are uh, Sauron and Godzilla and everybody are, are coming into the city. And one of the police officers is like, like Commissioner, you gotta come take a look at this. And then he shows her a picture on her phone, and he's like, a dog and a monkey are friends. And he starts <laughs> cackling. <laughs> oh, that was She's like, like it's so perfect because it's like first of all it subverts that cliche, but then second of all it shows just how incompetent like the Gotham police are. It's so funny. Oh uh, yeah, and it, yeah, that's that. Ex- getting back to that like 
Lego theme of like just good, wholesome fun. You know, like yeah. everyone can laugh at the police officer going like a dog and a monkey are friends. Like, <laughs> like that's the most important thing. <laughs> and it's also not Legos. It's real people, which I thought was funny, too, that when they are watching the movie uh, with, Brad, uh, with yeah. Brad Pitt, it wasn't Legos. It was real people because Legos do change the way they look based on what's going on. You'll, you'll also notice that photos look different than like real life. I'm doing air quotes here because obviously Legos aren't yeah, real yeah, life, yeah. but you know what I mean? Um so I, I like the way that they handle mixed media in this in this film. Yeah, so it's almost like kind of like uh, um, Isle of Dogs in that like all the stuff that's in the pictures is like a different style. It's not the 3D animation; it's like the 2D drawn stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's a bunch of references to other Batman movies in this too. Uh, like um, when the when the pilot is talking to Joker and he's like, "Is this is gonna be?" Um, uh, this is gonna be like the time with the uh, the parade and the prince music, or yeah. the time with the two boats. It's like it's gonna be better than the two boats. Yes, and I love how the guy is like shakes his head. Like it, the the joke kind of ends there when he says the better the two boats, but yeah. he shakes his head. And for me, the pilot shaking his head is him being like, "No, it isn't." Like no, that no, that right. movie is so good that uh, I and I don't know maybe that's not what's happening here, but I saw it as them kind of uh, paying homage to uh, the best Batman movie. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the, um, what's it? Let's get nuts mix. When, when he first turns it on, he says, you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. Yes. Which and I think you a could. direct quote from, yeah, you from could the. You uh, easily Batman miss H- that. Yeah, you could easily, yeah. easily miss that uh, if you, A, hadn't seen 1989 or didn't pay attention to that weird scene. Uh, I don't think that saying, you want to get nuts, come on, let's get nuts, is a very Batman-y line. Uh, but they but definitely like, bring it to the so, forefront so, in this so, one. It's so weird, especially in that movie, that like it sticks out, you know. And yeah, um, yeah, no, you, you, you definitely. If someone said that to me, or if someone made a reference where, like, I don't know, if I, I was like putting out a bowl of nuts, and someone was like, "You want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts." I'd be like, <laughs> exactly "You've seen? I was hoping you'd you, say. Yeah, like <laughs> you've seen Batman nineteen eighty nine? You know, like I would know exactly what they're talking about." <laughs> Have you listened to my podcast? Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, so then they, they they take a steaming dump on Suicide Squad multiple times in this movie. Um, like when he says, uh, "What are we gonna do? Get a bunch of criminals together to fight the criminals?" That's a stupid idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is right on the nose. Like making fun of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. And then there's um. I mean, he's like, uh, "Oh, we gotta assemble a team." Or Barbara says, "We gotta assemble a team uh, to to fight these villains." And Batman says, "Steel Team Six, Fox Force Five, which is a reference to Pulp Fiction." And then he says, Suicide Squad? And again, you know, yeah. the Suicide Squad. Gotta have them in there. Oh, sure. And, uh, like, that was, like, I, they did it multiple times, and they didn't hold back on making fun of Suicide Squad, which I think is no. deserved. <laughs> um, but I thought it was interesting, because, again, going back to this idea that they kept on toning down the violence and toning down the dark, uh, I think, they're making this child family, right? It's a PG movie. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm just kind of curious about how they handle the word suicide in movies. Uh, when I went to see Suicide Squad, it was kind of at the height of white high school boys saying, like, referring to their friend group as the squad on mm. social media. Uh, so, of course, I started ironically referring to my friend group as the squad. And then through force of habit, unironically referring to my friend group through as Poe's the law. squad. <laughs> right. Um, but when we went to see that movie, me and my squad, uh, they, they couldn't put the word suicide on the, on the ticket for the movie. So when you bought it, you went, yeah. So when you bought a ticket to the movie, you it just said squad, 
So we were like, yeah, we're going to go see Squad the movie. <laughs> it's about us. Yeah. It's like, which we thought was hilarious and, and it stuck in my head. So I thought it was interesting that they could say the word suicide in this movie. I personally don't think the the word itself is like heinous inherently. Yeah. I guess. Well, I don't know. Like that's, I mean, we could really get into. I really just wanted to here. bring up Squad the movie, but I thought, <laughs> but I, I just thought it was interesting that they were able to. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, you're right though. You bring up a good point because a lot of times people do shy away from that, and for them to not do that in this movie. But I mean, this movie has a lot of like, like violence in a way, right? Like you know, cartoonish violence yeah. and stuff too. So it's, you know, I, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be a, a G-rated movie, even though it is like safe for your kids and everything, and it is like really accessible to kids i think oh so accessible i mean looking at legos doing stuff i think is enough for a lot of kids yeah, um, yeah. also batman um so yes but that helps a lot another thing that i thought was a really cool reference to other batman movies was when batman uh was when alfred says like i've seen you act like this before and he starts listing out all the years that batman movies came out and it had lego versions of iconic images from those films which yes, is that was so, so cool. funny. Like, except for except for Batman and uh, Batman and Robin, where they just showed the nipples on the bat suit. <laughs> yeah, and also the '60s Batman, where it's just like Batman dancing. But like, I thought that was yeah. such a funny, like, a poking fun at the ones that should be made fun of, but also paying like homage to the cool ones and giving you kind of a cool uh, Lego version of some of the, I would say like maybe to the movie poster images of them. Um, yeah, some of them, yeah. And I would love to have the Lego versions of those posters. I think they were, they were so they cool. Were, they were really good. And it's like, I love that. I love that little attention to detail. It's a quick joke. Each thing is on the screen for like less than a second. Yeah. And yet, like, you know, someone who spent hours and hours like trying to get that perfect and it looks great. So yeah, uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, Then there's one more really good uh, like meta reference in here when uh when he dives into his um bat cave uh the password is iron man sucks which I think <laughs> is so perfect because iron man is the like marvel equivalent to batman in a lot of ways you know yes and uh you know a marvel character obviously so batman's like he's not holding back any punches he's taking out his own dc and also taking out marvel so yeah nothing's safe but yeah. but i think that is warranted a batman is so i mean Maybe I'm just, I've got a lot of homerism now that I've spent a lot of time with Batman, but I think he is, he kind of stands on his own in the DC universe and also is probably DC's only thing they can hold up against Marvel and say, hey, we're cool too. Yeah, but like, there's a, there's a big asterisk to Batman and that's uh, Christopher Nolan, I think. And, you know? Yes, no. And I, and I think, uh, I think that's worth discussing in length uh, at another time. But, sure. uh, but I, I, but I, I still think that Batman's arrogance towards just the idea of Batman and saying that it's like the house that DC or DC is the house that Batman built is yeah, suck it, suck it, Superman. Right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's I, I, I appreciate that because I agree. Yeah, I, I agree too. Um, okay, so there, there we talked a little bit about how there are a lot of state like the stakes are different in this movie about how there is like it's more focused on Batman and less on like the city on, on, a, on a whole. And we did talk a little bit about how there's um, like the violence is, is uh, lessened, you know, um, but it, it never really like, I don't know. Do you think the stakes in this movie work? I, I think they, they really do. You know, even if there isn't a, a, uh, a direct, um, I'm trying to say like, 
even if they you don't feel like your characters are going to die necessarily you still feel like there's a there's a lot to lose for batman as a character if he doesn't learn the lesson he needs to learn by the end you know what i mean well i i for me i think that the uh the risk is that batman will stay this terrible person that we see him become or that we realize that he is through the film Mm. because at the beginning we get this awesome batman the batman we know and love and almost to like a comedic uh extreme that he's so awesome and so perfect uh but then we start to we get exposed to some of his flaws and some of his delusion uh and the risk is that he won't realize it too yeah so i think it is never i don't think that batman lego batman is going to get taken apart and uh you know, never <laughs> and never be nice. Batman again, you know, but uh, I, for me, it's that he won't be as awesome as I, I thought he was. Yeah. And um, I think you're right about that. And to, to have him kind of grow toward the end of this, I mean, I don't know if I don't know how much of that's going to stick. Right. Because I don't know. This movie is like almost exists, even though it incorporates all the other Batman movies, it kind of exists outside of every other Batman movie. So like, you know, you're. you're you may have seen the story multiple times where Batman has to learn to trust other people, right? But at the same time, um, it's nice to have this kind of conduit uh, of Batman to tell this story. Agreed. I, uh, I think that the, the, the stakes... It's a Lego movie, so it, the stakes are never going to be super high. But the, the stakes are never high as far as moral danger. Yeah. But the stakes are high as far as like emotional growth, uh, which is... like. I don't know. That's that's awesome. Yeah, very wholesome too. A very wholesome thing to put uh, to have us, uh, you know, waiting heavily uh, is yeah. like this emotional growth. Um, so, okay, one of the f- my favorite things that this movie does, actually, well, let me begin this with uh, when I heard that the Lego Movie was really well received and people are saying that it's great. I kept hearing about this "Everything Is Awesome" song, oh, and man. I also heard it at some point. I listened to it, um, and. I didn't realize that the Lego studios were into music and they do it. They, they do such a great job with music in this movie, using it to just uh, amazing effect. Uh, obviously we've, we've mentioned it many times, the let's get nuts mix that Batman selects from his uh, heads up display. Uh, it just shows Batman in all his glory. And it's awesome. Very uh, like, if you love Batman, you'll love that song. And it talks about why he's great and all that stuff. And it's, we've we've talked about this idea of landing the I'm Batman line uh, that, you know, each movie has its opportunity where he finally is Batman. And he says, you know, I'm Batman. Hi, Freeze. I'm Batman. Exactly. And it's done well and it's done poorly elsewhere. And I'm not going to say this is the best I'm Batman uh, because I, I think you you might not even mention that he says it uh, or that or that it is the I'm Batman of this movie. But he says I'm Batman in this song. And I think that's very uh intentional it's this movie's i'm batman i think it works and it's uh it's a good i'm batman scene like we i mean you said you went back and listened to it multiple times i definitely went back and listened to it multiple times uh just really bringing a lot of glory to batman uh the quote at the beginning of the movie that batman takes credit for but it's actually a michael jackson quote if you want to make the world a better place take a look at yourself and make a change who yeah (laughs) who and uh even though uh, you know Batman tries to take the credit for that line, it's it's obviously from the song "The Man in the Mirror" by Michael Jackson, uh, and that movie. I mean, that song comes up throughout this movie. Uh, it it plays at the Jim Gordon gala, kind of uh, in the background, but also you know it's 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 saying like that that's going to be the theme of this movie is that uh, if Batman really wants to make the world a better place, he has to change himself. 
uh, which I think yeah, is, which well, is such a cool idea. Joke, that's what Joker says, right? He's like, I'm not your greatest villain. You are. Yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's what this movie is all about is facing the man in the mirror. Yeah, it's, it's so well executed. And it's also that song because it's performed by like the orphans choir at the, <laughs> uh, at the gala. But then also there's kind of like a more contemporary version of it played when Batman is enjoying all his favorite home activities with his new family at the end of the yeah. film. So it, it, it definitely comes full circle, that song. Um, and then uh, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight by Cutting Crew, uh, which the most recognizable part of that song is the name of the song. Uh, mm. It all plays when Batman lays eyes on Barbara Gordon, uh, which I, it just works. His eyes become huge and he's like, he's so obviously in love, which they, they took that in an interesting direction because it's not like he's obviously attracted to Barbara, which is, I think, a common thing that Batman kind of does, having the love interest that he's after. Mm. But uh, she's not into him at all. And, uh, yeah. and, and that's OK. The movie, I think the message there is that, you know, not every girl that you're attracted to has to be attracted to you uh, or it's over. You know, he calls her his right. platonic coworker buddy and, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he accepts the like rejection kind of you know it's fine he doesn't linger yeah well it never really does come back it's not, that's not like, like a big point of this movie it's just kind of i mean that one song that song plays that one point and then at the end no no the, it, it, it plays twice it uh it? it plays at the gala and it plays when uh batman and uh and young Robin there are going to arkham when he runs into her because he's he's teaching oh, robin right. how to sneak around and then He's, he's like Barbara, and then the music starts again, and uh, and and then he's like, "This is not my son. That'd be weird." And she's like, "It's weirder if it's not your son." <laughs> such good, such good dialogue. Anyways, so I thought that that song was used uh, to good potential to kind of yeah. drive that minimal point home. Um, and also, I immediately googled it as soon as it played. But when uh, when Bar- when Batman sends Joker to the Phantom Zone, and Barbara's like, "What are you doing?" He goes, "I'm Batmaning," and then he like hits his utility belt, and it's like a beat starts playing, and you hear, "I'm Batman, I'm awesome, I got a nine pack," <laughs> which he just has ready to go. Uh, but I did a little research, and that's actually uh, Dave Bird, aka Lil Dicky, uh, really the rapper, yeah. <laughs> So he got into this movie as well. Did not expect that at all. So, um, <laughs> it, and it's so on, like up Little Dicky's alley to to have those three lines uh, be attributed to him. So, uh, yeah, you can you can Google it. Unfortunately, there's nothing more to the song. It's just those uh, I don't Dang. know nine words, but um, it's it's uh, definitely memorable. And I, like that is the type of rapper I would love to be. If I was ever a famous <laughs> rapper, I'd love to get like a tiny, tiny little uh, cameo appearance in a movie like this. Like very cool. And then uh, just leading us into here, kind of our talking about the happy ending, the friends are family, which I think I don't, I don't know. Cause I haven't seen like a movie, but I feel like it's kind of this movie's everything is awesome. Uh, well, work. it's not the same. exactly. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't make that connection, but it's kind of like the, marquee song like they wrote it to summarize all the themes and the the lessons learned in this movie uh which which kind of brings us to a satisfying conclusion and you get to see a bunch of cool lego stuff yeah that that was nice and like you see everybody in their white suits and stuff and they're all dancing around it's really it's like you can't help but smile it's so So wholesome it really is yeah just to i mean i just want to throw my two cents in here just about the everything is awesome it's actually like that song is all ironic it's all satire oh 
Yeah. Oh man. If I, you listen, I, if you if you listen to the if you listen to the lyrics really closely, you can tell that's really what it's about. And if you watch the movie, like it hits you good. So I, I anyway. have to see the the Lego movie. Yeah, we'll put it on our list. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love talking about that movie. Okay, so let's talk about let's get into this ending. The the happy happy ending. Um. Okay, so let's let's talk specifically about how effective the message is of this movie, uh, which is basically that. Like you need Batman, or like Batman needs to accept, like the family in his life, right? There's there are these people that are in his life, whether he wants them to be in or not, in, in a big way, right? But but by pushing them away, he's only protecting himself. That's what Phyllis says to him. You are protecting. Are you protecting them by pushing them away? But who are you really protecting? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I think this is like like very relevant to anyone you know and to see you know someone like batman who has everything right he can do anything he his life is perfect but he's still missing that key component of you know being with another person uh, or being with people that he cares about that's like uh you know that's an important message for anyone to learn yeah no and especially because they uh it's, it's kind of like glorifying the life Batman has and then showing how empty it is at the same time, uh, yeah. it, it kind of gets you. Because while you're seeing Batman kicking butt left and right, you're like, yeah, I love Batman. This is exactly what I want Batman to be like. And this is, you know, it, it would be cool to be Batman. Um, and then you realize those goals, while definitely, you know, having an, a sweet bod and having uh, like a lot of money, is def- I mean, those aren't inherently bad things, but it can't be the only things. Yeah, uh, and exactly. It, and it, 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 I think, I mean, anybody can look at that and and kind of uh, attribute that or or to apply that to their own life. Definitely. And I mean, he, he the one of the last lines he has is uh, sometimes losing people is part of life. That doesn't mean you stop letting them in. Um, and yeah, I, I, again, like this is perfect for for Batman's growth, right? Because that's always been his thing. He's like he's afraid of having a family because of what happened to his to his parents. So, um. I mean, it goes back to what we're talking about in, in uh, Batman Begins. Liam Neeson has that quote where he talks about how the, like, the people you care about become poison in your veins, right? They feel your, fuel your, uh, your grief and your, uh, your rage. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that doesn't mean that you can't let people in all, this, all the same. Like you, despite all of that risk, there's all this you know, reward to be reaped as well. Yeah, no, I think that's a great quote from this from a very silly movie, like yeah. a extremely meaningful quote. Yeah, and I think this movie does kind of uh, fit in with um, like Batman Begins, and that like the filmmakers are trying to tell an important message, um, but they're and they're just using Batman as a vehicle to deliver it, um, and that's exactly what I want from a Batman movie. If you want to relay something complex, you want to relay something complex in a familiar way. Yeah, no, I, I I totally agree. And Batman, it it's crazy how how uh, applicable they kind of make Batman to just a normal person. Um, yeah, which I think is the like like the key to this. Yeah. you know, it's not just that he's a cool character. It's not cool. That's just, it's cool to watch him fight and do his thing and everything. Like that is cool, and it's like it's nice seeing that in a movie and everything. And that makes what makes it accessible to you know anyone. But what makes it a power? What makes him a powerful character is your ability to um transcend that and and teach an important lesson aside of that 
I also liked how they kind of, I mean, the friends are family thing at the end really drives it home. The idea that uh, this, this message extends to just anyone you're close to, not necessarily because you're blood related to somebody, but also just because mm. you care about someone. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that the family structure that Batman builds by the end of the movie is, is he's not related to any of those people. But it's still family. It's still important to let them into your lives and 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 trust them. And trust is kind of a uh, like a sub idea to this whole family idea because a everyone finds out his password to get into the Batcave. They they say it together. <laughs> Iron Man sucks. <laughs> and uh, but also the uh, like trusting others can improve your life. Just Batman realized he couldn't handle all these villains by himself. He needed the help of his friends and. And it pays off. Yeah, and I think that comes right back to like the "No Man Is an Island" poem. Uh, it's it's about how you you like when you lose a certain like part. If you lose any part of the whole, then you know you you're lo- you're missing out on something big. And every single piece of that is important. You know, it's it's not as much as like it's not like uh, you're a percentage of the whole. It's like you're just as important as anything else. You know, you're just as key and as integral to that to what makes that thing it it if that makes any sense well and so, so like to have um you know batman act all alone and everything uh, is a missed opportunity for everyone else right that's what i'm trying to get at. right right and and um i mean just staying on the, the trust aspect of it like they do such a better job of the transformation from batman before he trusts others to when he trusts others in this movie than in Batman and Robin, which we talked about in that podcast where before he's saying, you know, I don't trust you, Robin. You have to trust me and everything that I say works and it does. Mm. <laughs> and, in, uh, and then after they resolve the trust issue, it's basically Batman saying like, you, like, you should trust me and I in turn will be trusted by you. Like and like it's kind of it's just a mind trick on Robin. This one actually is an actual like Batman hands over some responsibility to his friends, and they show that they're they're worthy of that trust, and uh, and it helps save the day. Very reluctantly, I might add. I feel like this like this is kind of hammered home like really hard in this movie, it, and I mean we're hammering it home now t- too. But like the he at multiple points he like you think he's learned the lesson, and then he. He turns back, you know, it's not until like literally the very end that he accepts like that he needs other people and that he can't do everything by himself. And he tries and like he tries at every point to push them out um, and it just doesn't work. So it makes the conclusion to it so satisfying, which also yeah. the, the solution to this whole problem <laughs> is so uh, is so Lego um, where they, they're like the way that they're going to stop the city from cracking in half is by stacking on each other's heads because they all have like the little lego stud on the yeah, top they take of their, their hairs off they take their hair off and then stand <laughs> on each other's heads and then uh grab each other and then pull the city back together and of course that's possible like that would work because legos can break apart or snap back together very easily and uh it's actually kind of hilarious the way the city's like like grinding back together and they just click very satisfyingly yeah. and then it's there <laughs> it's really great and, and you know what i give them a pass for it um like we can give you an example of like another situation similar to this is um in uh oh my gosh it's slipping my mind the 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 samurai hot chicks I'm uh oh uh, sucker punch. sucker punch yes sucker punch gets away with some ridiculous and gratuitous 
violence uh, in there, like and just unrealistic uh, fighting scenes that any like you know action fan would want to see. But it's difficult to put that in a movie and have it make sense in context and and have it be justified, right? Um, without just being like, this is what happens. Like they they yeah. they, they, they they go through a lot, a complex series of uh, like building the story up to that point so that it it, it makes sense. But uh, Lego does that too by making a whole movie in Legos. I think that they stick to this uh, aesthetic of putting to mm. like everything is made out of Legos. They have to think what would a plane look like as Legos, you know? What would yeah. what would any building what would King Kong look like when he's made out of Legos? And because they stick to that so well, I think that they're they're uh, granted this <laughs> neat and easy solution of just click because they're like, hey, it's still all Legos. Yeah. No, it's perfect. So I, it really I, I think perfect. it's a really satisfying ending. It works so well. Yeah. Okay, so I, I think um, this movie suffers a little bit in its tone because it starts off so silly and, like, funny and there's, like, all these little meta references and stuff. But, it, like, it transitions into this much more, like, serious tone. And I don't know, like, I don't know how you felt about this, but I felt like I was watching almost two different movies by the end of it where, like, at one point I was, like, you know, it's, like, laughing just really hard and the other parts I'm just, like, you know, I'm close to the screen, like, paying attention and everything. And that necessarily isn't necessarily a, isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it definitely seems like the action and the story kind of ramp up to a much more dramatic ending um, than like we were given at the beginning, if that makes sense. I, I don't know. I'm kind of coming at it as a like first time Lego movie viewer. And sure. uh, it felt like the first half of the movie, because I, I feel the same way about the tone changing. Um, but I felt like the beginning of it was like, hey, look how fun and wacky this is. This is Legos. And uh, let's be self-indulgent about that for a little while. And how like how much we love Batman because uh, I mean at this point I think I'm a pretty big Batman fan and I I'm happy that there's all there's so much right I mean it's like yeah. there's, there's a whole Lego movie about Batman that's cool and uh, so 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 bring it to the, like that's I showed up and they're they're rewarding me for being there for that and then it transitions into here's why you're gonna this is why you're here to see the movie though like it, 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 here's the story. Um, cause the, at the beginning, a lot of this stuff is pretty inconsequential. Um, especially like the, the, all the villains swarming in and doing stuff that gets cleaned up so easily and so quickly. It's like that it's basically meaningless. Right. And if the whole movie yeah. had been that, I think we'd be walking away, uh, saying like, yeah, it was fun, but it was pointless. And right. I, I think that maybe, maybe it gets a little too serious, but also I, I didn't think it did. I think that it okay. gave us uh, some meaning. Yeah. And I don't, I can't think of another way to do that, you know, to, to have like this cake and eat it too in that way and um yeah i agree so yeah you just said that you feel like you're a big batman fan do you feel like you're you're knowledgeable in your your batman lore do you think you could hold yourself hold your own in a a batman fight batman <laughs> argument <laughs> um to tell you the truth i i feel because of the variety that we've seen in these yeah. movies just from the different decades i feel like i would need to watch all of them because i, hmm. I don't think that you can get a uh, a firm grasp on the entirety of Batman without having actually laid eyes on all of it because there's always these little uniquenesses to each iteration of Batman. So um, I think that I'm pretty knowledgeable and I could talk. I I can definitely talk to you about the ones I've seen. Um, yeah. But I, if I've learned anything about Batman, is there's just so much to him. Yeah, definitely. Oh man, this is fun. Yeah. No, I I loved it. Lego Batman is great. I'm I'm. Uh, definitely looking to see more lego movies uh after this 
But um, I think it was just such a great celebration of Batman as a character. Uh, and, and just it works so well that we were doing this as the fourth uh, and final episode of our Batman series because it's uh, it, it, it summarizes it. It kind of says, like, here is who Batman is and then takes it one step further uh, through the imagination yeah. of Legos. I 100% agree with that. It's a, it really is like a really fun movie. And if you're a Batman fan, I highly recommend it because it, it's not just like a kid's movie. It's very much accessible to, to anyone. And I think the message at the end is relevant to everyone. Um, uh, and you can take a lot away from it. So with that, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at the end of my rope on this one. I think I'm, uh, I've said all I can say about this, this movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> me too. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, thank you for joining me once again, Joey. <laughs> Of course. Hey, thanks for listening to Affable Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to help us grow the podcast, share it, rate us five stars, and or write us a review. It really helps. Have a comment about something we said? Tweet at us at Affable Chat or write us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed. Once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.